Welcome everyone to Des Moines and Dragons. My name is Tim Overton, and I'll be your dungeon master for today's episode. With me is Emma Norman. Emma, say hi. Hey. So we're going to be playing a little bit of Dungeon World today. It's not Dungeons and Dragons. It's a system that uses 2d6 for your roll instead of a d20. There are some basic moves that every class is able to do, and then there are some advanced moves that some of your classes are able to do. We'll get into all that stuff later, but first, let's just meet Emma. Emma... Uh, how do we know each other? From Dinner Detective, would you say? Or yeah, was it? Yeah, I don't think there was. Y- I mean, well, it might have been first. Uh, first, it was. Uh, that live show. Through the live show. Yeah. Through the uh, original Des Moines and Dragons campaign, yeah. Awakening. And so I think that maybe was the live show then, but then we do I Dinner Detective so. together yeah. um, as well. That's. We hung out at Gary Con together. That yeah, was a lot of did. fun. <laughs> With uh, Paul. <laughs> with Paul, Charity, and Jason. Yep, Good yep. times at the Airbnb. Right. Um, that shark costume. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> Emma, you just got done with a couple of cool shows you yeah. were doing. What were you doing with those shows? Uh, well, first I was um, uh, the assistant director for Next to Normal. Right. And that was that was really an experience. Um, yeah. Not <laughs> being, like, super musical myself. But... <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, you know, that's why we have music directors. Um, yes, exactly. So, yeah, that was that ended in March. And then I started up immediately at the Playhouse with Calendar Girls mm-hmm. being the stage manager. And they also ended up being a part of the show at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so that was... It's funny how that happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That was unintentional. I didn't mean to, but one of the ladies got sick. And so... And how did it go? It went fine. Excellent. Yeah. It went fine. It did. Very good. It did. Everybody loved it. And yeah. So that was, that was a blast. All right. And how often have you stage managed? Have you done that before? Or like, Once I was an ASM okay. um, for some Enchanted Evening at the Playhouse. And then um, this is my first time full on stage managing. How did so. it feel? I mean, it was a little overwhelming. Yeah. At the first, I was like, what am I doing? And then after a bit, I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I can do this. And then it was like, okay, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> well, hopefully that's how you'll feel with uh, the tabletop role playing today. Yeah. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but what is your experience with tabletop role playing games? Uh, not not a lot. Um, yeah, I, I played a couple of like one shots, I think, with Paul, uh-huh. um, and then just with some friends a couple of other times, but really not. And it was not was it much. always uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, five yeah. E. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different, but it's very much the same. Uh, the way that the system works, it uses, like I said, two d six, your normal six sided dice, instead of a, a d twenty uh, to decide the role of fate in the game. Um, uh, you'll be able to, you know, attack and do all of that using the 2d6, and then you will roll your damage die if you're successful. The thing that makes this game interesting is that uh, in Dungeons & Dragons, when you roll a d20, we know that, like, a 20 is a critical success or a 1 is a critical fail. And then, you know, in between there, you can set a threshold for what is a success and what is a failure. In this game, uh, the thresholds are always the same so a 10 plus 10 or higher is always a success you're able to accomplish exactly what you wanted to do uh, on a 7 to 9 uh, it's called a partial success and that means that you succeed but something else happens that may not be in your favor on a 6 or lower that's a fail and that will have consequences it may not mean that you will um, 
you'll fail in what you're doing, but it may not mean you'll get damaged. Say, for instance, we're in a fight and you rolled a six, you may not get hurt. It may be that the enemy gets a, a different advantage or the situation in the room changes. Something changes against your favor. Um, and that'll be for every roll. So no matter what you're doing, a 10 is a success, seven to nine is a partial success, six is a, a fail. And I get to make a what's called a GM move which I have a little list of things and ideas for me to do to twist fate and make things a little harder for you. Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the main difference between these systems, I think. Um, you'll notice that like the world that the system is built for is very similar. It's high fantasy. Like you picked a... What, let's talk about your character. Yeah, sure. So you picked an arcane duelist, and we're starting at level three because you've got a little bit of experience in the world. You are... Uh, world wearied a little bit. You've learned how to adapt in this crazy hectic world and you decided to become an arcane duelist and an arcane duelist is someone who fights with spells. Yeah. And right. does a lot of melee as well. And so. you got a melee thing. Like, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> tell us, tell us like, um, describe your character a little bit. What do we got going on? Yeah. Uh, she is an elf, um, Kayana. Um, and, uh, she's got two, um, two twins uh one's a boy one's a girl Mm -hmm. um so and then she also has a mentor um trying to teach her uh different things as well yeah um what's her mentor's name uh fira fira and what about the Mm -hmm. twins what are their names all right let's see uh namaris namaris is the and avon avon is the son is the son okay yep and her husband el el rain was going was uh, killed somehow during the shattering. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, but as for my character in general, she is an elf, um, and uh, we get some blade work, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, What's your main weapon there? Um, I've got a rapier, but then also have a, a parrying dagger. Okay. So, so that main rapier yeah. is your main form of attack, and then that parrying dagger lets you kind of defend and. Get right. back at them. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Um, and you've got some spells and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got some cool you got some techniques cool spells. Okay. Well. we'll get into um, that when we get into the gameplay. We'll see what's yeah. needed while, as we yeah, as we play. I'd, yeah. Got some spells from... You learned from your, your uh, mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. And what are, what do you remember about the world I've described for you? Um, that it is... Okay, what do I start with first? Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering, too. I just too. remember uh, a lot about like how different places within the Shattering um, are at different times. Yes. So it could be forwards or backwards comparatively to the others. Absolutely. Um, and so we are starting with Kayana at a point where the shattering is still very near to her in her history, right? She's lost people to it. Yeah. And the world is still falling apart, right? So let's start with Kayana is in the, um, the forest, the queen's garden. It's near a law. Um, the, northeast of Kayana, there is a light in the sky that is penetrating the clouds and it appears that space is pouring out like the stars are pouring into the sky um, around this jut of light. Um, 
that you know from having been there before is Alal, the kingdom city uh, in crisis at the moment. Uh, and you had heard that there was danger, uh, that Alal had recently lost a prince, and that people were speaking in very foreboding tone, uh, or very, um, what's the word? Very uh, foreboding tones about uh, the state of the world and the way we're heading. And now it appears that the cataclysmic event has happened and you lost someone to that. And that memory um, is the last thing that you think of as you wake up. And where is Kiana waking up in? Like what form of like... Where is she? Building. Uh, I think that she would probably... She'd probably be like in a tree house, I think. Yeah. That would be that'd be her like spot. Yeah. So yeah, she probably built herself um probably amongst probably other tree houses. I would yeah, and a little, in, like a little village yeah. of like you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking like Lord of the Rings type of deal, you know. Totally. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> My reference magical. was Kashyyyk, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um yeah, these trees, um, they have suffered. They've been blighted. The atmosphere has changed, and so has the environment. Um, they're, they're bare, and they're dry. The leaves are all gone, scattered, uh, withered, and the trees are going with them. Uh, they're hollowing out. They're becoming drier timber, and so is your dwelling. Uh, these places where it used to feel like home, there used to be a verdant color, green and bright sunshine, and now... There's a harsh, uh, dry, uh, dusty, sandy uh, grit to everything. It's been bleached by the sun. Uh, Its colors are lighter than they were. Um, And most of the people who you used to live with are gone. Uh, This shattering event has caused people to scatter to the wind and to try and find their own safety, but none can really be found. Um, You don't know the whereabouts of a lot of the people that used to be your family or the wider circle you kept uh, they've all gone different places, and their fates are unknown. Um, you wake up, and that memory sears your mind. It is the memory that you've been having every night since it's happened. It's hard to think about anything else. Um, as you're coming to, uh, you've got your um, sword and dagger next to you, your rations, your gear, uh, and you get dressed. You put on your leather armors. You affix your sword to your waist, your parrying dagger at your side. Um, you've got your sack and your with your rations and your um, tools and things that you would need to be able to survive in this new climate. Um, and you leave uh, your treehouse. Uh, on the ground uh, beneath you is one of your twins. Um, let's say Nemeris. Okay. Uh, and they call out to you. Now, which one is Nemeris? Is this the son or daughter? That's the daughter. That's the daughter. She yeah. calls out to you. Um, asks you, are you up yet? Uh, yeah, I am definitely up now. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for asking. <laughs> Um, Listen, sleepyhead, we're all heading out. We need to get to um, the next location as soon as possible. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Have you packed all your bags? I'm all ready to go. Uh, where's your Where's your brother? 
oh, him, uh, let me check. And then Namaris calls out for Avon. Is that right? Yep. Um, Avon comes up uh, around through the trees, um, seemingly like flitting through the trunks. Um, they look exactly alike. Um, it's very hard to distinguish them. Um, and joining Avon is Fira, your mentor. Um, they are all packed and ready to go. They don't have any horses or any kind of fast transportation. The idea is that we will travel by foot. Um, Fira looks at you and sees the look in your eyes and knows that you've been dreaming the same dream. Um, uh, Fira, you say, um, uh, if you dwell in the past, you'll be doomed to repeat it. We need to carry on. Are you ready? Yes, but we do learn from our, from the past, so... In order to move forward, I need to go backwards. But yes, I am ready. Very well. You might find that going backwards, you forget where you're going. I'm worried about you, Kiana. Oh, don't be. I can take care of myself. Yes, I believe you can. Let's go. And the four of you take off into the desert wasteland. This place that used to be called the Queen's Garden um, used to be full of trees, um, and it was, like, world-renowned for its beauty. And now it's desert. It's a wasteland. Um, everything is bare. Um, the desert air, you know, dries your throat. Um, you have to wrap up to keep the sand and things from being abrasive against your skin and wearing out your clothes and everything else. Um, you travel for a bit of time. Uh, you go uh, for a few hours without stopping. Um, your elven uh, traits allow you to be able to travel for a while without tiring. Uh, you also, um, I you know, misspoke, I guess, rather than sleep. You uh, enter a trance state while you're able to have such clear visions and memories. So your ability to um, endure the travel is, um, you're very skilled at it. Um, uh, you travel for a few hours and then you come upon a, uh, interesting situation. There is a caravan, it appears. There's a kind of covered wagon, but the sheet has been torn. The, um, beast of burden is nowhere to be found. The yoke is empty. Um, but there are, uh, clear signs of a struggle happened. Um, there are tears in the sheet as if, uh, cut a blade and there are things from inside the cart strewn about and um, opened or smashed uh, along the ground uh, what do you do um, first of all I think I would probably use detect magic sure first you want to describe that spell for me if you don't mind um, yeah it essentially I can look it up too I mean, it essentially just is yeah. detecting if there's any yeah. magic in the vicinity. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. Is that a, uh, a cantrip or a spell? That's an actual spell. All right. Then you would roll plus your, I think it's your intelligence. Okay. 
because that's your casting ability. Okay. So you roll 2d6 okay. and add your intelligence modifier. Okay, 9 plus 2, 11. So that's a 10 plus. So that's a success. So you're able Ooh. to detect magic right away. And nice. you detect uh, not here, but there appears to be like these this field. You know how like... Um, if you look at like uh, a magnetic field and you put like iron filings or iron dust around it, it'll take the contours and the shape of the magnetic field and yeah. it kind of goes toward the poles and out from that. You can sure. feel those lines, these contouring lines pulling toward a direction. It's not here, but you can feel that magic pulling you uh, just a little further down the road. Okay. So you can cool. detect that magic. Uh, as you're detecting that magic, Fira calls out to you and says... Um, Kiana, check for check for survivors. All right. Um, so then I will, I start looking first, probably around the cart. All right. Um, just to see if there's any movement first before I dig right into yeah. <laughs> jump right into that. You search around the cart around and there the doesn't cart. appear to be any movement. The cart is very still. All of the smashed objects appear to be very like cheap things. There's no gold or anything fancy. Just bits of cloth, um, some rations that you find. Uh, you're welcome to take those rations if you'd like. It's up to you. At this point, you don't know who they belong to or what they're doing, but rations in this world are pretty rations useful. Rations are rations, so yeah, why not? Alright, you can add... Uh, Let's see, some dungeon rations, which have five uses, and they are one weight each. So you okay. can, you probably already have I think some. We're good, yeah. So you can just put a two next to it or whatever you'd like to do there. Um, you find these smashed things, but no signs of life, no movement. Okay. Um, all right, neat. So then I will go ahead and search inside. Um, but I'll also ask for, um, my son and daughter to be on the lookout just as spies, I guess, <laughs> um, yeah. to make sure nobody else is coming as I do this. Um, so. All right. Yeah. So I'll go in. So, yeah. Right. So you, uh, Set your children to uh, have a lookout for you and watch your back. Uh, as you yep. climb into the wagon, you notice that um, it's totally torn up in here. There are boxes and crates of things just all over the place. And then there's a slight uh, struggle for movement. You can see s something shift, and it's laying down, and it's covered uh, by a heavy box, and it's trying to get out from this heavy box. What right. do you do? So I think I will probably just get out my parrying dagger. Okay. Um, just to be on the safe side because yeah. who knows what the heck it is. So, right. And then I'll, I think I'll call out to Fira. Just warn her that there's something moving inside. Um, hey, Fira. I'm sensing some movement in here, so I'm going to take a quick look inside, but just... So you got my back. Okay. I'm coming too. Awesome. That's even better. Fira joins you. She's very concerned. Um, or they? Or what pronouns does Fira use? Oh, she. I she. think we'll go with the she. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Fira has got your back is in the back of the wagon right behind you. Uh, mm -hmm. The shape continues to move, and uh, 
the box slides off and you can see that there is a human male uh, in this wagon and is covered in blood. There are lacerations on their face. There are stab wounds in their chest and stomach. Uh, They're bleeding out near death, uh, very pale. What do you do? I think at this point I would probably, hmm, let's see. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to use my daughter because um, she's got some healing properties um, to heal because I don't have any healing. Okay. I don't think. Now I got a lot of text. I don't got any healing. So <laughs> you call over Namaris, right? Uh, yep. And what is that like? What does that sound like? So you call over Namaris, yep. and uh, Namaris uh, climbs up into the wagon, sees the man dying, and tries to apply some magic to cure. And what how, how kind of uh, healing does Namaris do? What does that look like? Um, and you said those lacerations on the face? Face, stab wounds in the chest and stomach. Chest and stomach. So um, I think that she would probably go um, for the chest wounds first, because mm-hmm. that would probably do the most damage to the heart obviously so i right. think she would want to stop that first so i think she would probably just lay her hands on um on him yeah him. go ahead and do a roll and add your int modifier okay okay four plus two ten all right so with the 10, that's a success. Namaris is able to close those wounds and stabilize the man, but there's still holes in his stomach and cuts on his face, and he's lost a lot of blood. The, the, you see that the wounds start to stitch up around the edges. The clotting happens. Their pool of blood seems to seep into the body a little bit. Um, but this man is very far gone, and even Namaris's healing magic may not be enough to save him. Uh, the man rattles out a sentence to you, the portal. Portal? What does that mean? And the man just tries to breathe. So she tries to like loosen some of his clothing to try and make it better and probably props him up a little bit. <clears throat> the portal. What, what about the portal? You must... <clears throat> you must <clears throat> go... <clears throat> I must go to the portal. Where's the portal? And with a pale hand, manages to extend a digit in the direction that you felt the magic come from. Oh, um, I think you might have me mixed up with somebody else, but... Uh, and he grabs you. He says, you must go. Okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> um... Fira, Fira, Come let's on go. Over here. <laughs> Fira makes the man release, uh, release you, uh, and the man <gasps> and stops breathing. Well, that was interesting. What do you make of that, Fira? Believe that he was on his last breath and would say anything. It's hard to know what a man means when he's dying. That is true, but I did detect some magic over in the direction that he pointed earlier, so... That sounds dangerous, Kiana. Yes. 
I agree with that. Um, but I also think that we should probably check it out just in case, just to see from far away. We don't have to go close or anything, but I want to know what this is, uh, what we're dealing with, if this is going to cause any harm to us or if we're cool just letting it be. Very well. All right. Um, how about let's leave Numeris and Avon here and you and I go check it out. I'll go with you. Great. Kiana. Yeah. You're showing leadership. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you. Hmm. Let's go. And the two of you leave. You leave your twins behind and you head in the direction that you were able to detect the magic from. Uh, right away. Uh, in this uh, area where there's a clearing in the trees. The road has um, widened and as things become more barren. And you can see in the middle of uh, crossroads, tearing at reality itself, it sounds like a jet engine, a rushing of air, as space and time tear in this oval pattern, creating a portal, sparks of blue lightning, and a dark fog in the center next to the portal are many bodies as it turns out there are six in fact and they're all strewn about clearly dead, a fight had occurred bunch okay. of dead bodies all right just want to clarify bunch of dead bodies okay. yep human or are they different races different races right. different classes okay yeah that you see a orc with an axe you see uh human with a sword you see a robed elf with a staff uh they are all laying about bloodied destroyed and this portal at the center and are they all destroyed in the same way they're all destroyed in different ways okay okay hmm What do you do? Hmm. That's a good question. I I think I will turn to Fira and ask her about this because heck, I don't know. Um, Fira, what do you make of this? I can't tell if they came from that portal or going into the portal. I don't know. And they're all destroyed in different ways. Like that one got stabbed. That one. I recognize that teal armor on the human. From they're, what? They're called the teal guard. A they teal used guard. to be employed by the queen. They fought the orcs in the orcs territories. Some called them zealots. What are they doing here? Pretty far from where they were. Huh. Okay. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to make of any of this, but it doesn't look right. No, it does not. But that man used his dying breath to tell me about it. <sighs> Do you know of anybody who might? 
know more about this that we could ask? Portal magic is very complicated. I don't know of any casters with the ability to create such a thing. Mm. Especially now with the way of the world, all of the dying magic. So do you think there are more of these? If there are, whoever made them must be very powerful. That does not sound good. All right. Uh, Kiana, this is dangerous. I agree. And I think, I think it's time to go back. All right. You begin to head back. As you turn your back and you start to head away from the portal, you hear the sound of the rushing air. You hear it, the pitch increase as if a knob's being turned up. And then you hear a sound of a heavy footstep and then another one and then two more. You turn and behind you are these two frost giants who stepped out of the portal and are now staring at you and Fira. Hmm. Well, let's see. Do they have anything with them? Any they weapons are both carrying large cudgels, big oh. sticks. Great. Um. One of them begins bounding toward you both. What do you do? Freak out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and then, (laughs) uh, I think I would, I think I would pull out some flawless blade work. All right. Yeah. Tell me about it. So it, when I, I attempt to incorporate magic into a melee uh, attack, Mm -hmm. um, so it's a roll plus my intelligence, um, and on a 10 plus I deal deal my damage and apply two of my techniques okay um seven and nine i deal my damage and apply one technique all right and my opponent attacks me so let's see what the roll has for you then come on oh not not a good roll that is a that's a really terrible six yep so you not great attempt to do some fancy blade work yep yeah, it fails. you imbue the magic into your rapier, and yep. you can see what color is the magic that you use. Um, I'm gonna go with an orange. Yeah, so orange light begins to fill the hilt of the blade, and as you whirl about and begin to ready your stance, the giant, in so few steps, is already upon you, and has grabbed you, and is now throwing you through the portal. Oh. You are flung like 15 feet directly at the portal and makes this basket. You are now on the other side of the portal. You hear Fira call out to you, Kiana! And you see between you and Fira are these two frost giants and through the lens of this portal. And then the portal closes. Okay. Uh, Crap. (laughs) Uh, Fira! Fira! Oh my goodness, now what? Um, you look around you. 
There is not much to see. It is dark in every direction. You don't have a torch or anything lit. Even if you did, that would hardly be able to penetrate this inky black. And in your nearest vicinity is a fog, a fog that surrounds everything. You splash as you take a couple of steps. There's thin layer of water where you're standing and it reflects back the inky black and fog. So would my light cantrip work here? Or try it. Okay, so we're going to try a light cantrip. So what do you light? Um, Something becomes lit that you hold. Yeah, I guess. Um, that makes the most sense. Something would be lit. Uh, let's... It can be your sword. It can be yeah, your like, parrying dagger. Yeah, it can be do my parrying dagger might right. as well. So you hold your parrying dagger aloft, and it, mm-hmm. it lights with orange light like a sodium lamp. And it casts this bit of light about five to six feet in front of you. And there's nothing but more water, more fog, and darkness. Now, you hear the sounds of battle far off in the distance, the clanging of steel against steel. You hear sounds of screaming. You hear battle cries. You hear gunfire and cannon fire. You hear the sounds of beasts and monsters. And then far off to your left, you see a spurt of dragon flame erupt out of the silhouette of a maw reaching 20 feet in the air, uh, far off in the distance. But you can see the flame go up, up, up. And are all of these in one direction ahead of me? It or appears are they to be all, all around directions? you. Okay. Great. Um, so I think that I will... I think I'm going to try a detect magic again spell see if that works all right you uh i'll tell you you're able to detect magic and there is magic abound all over the place that feeling you felt of the portal the draw of those lines those are gone now you feel now something different yeah and this is different from the regular well regular earth shattering world that i was in previous because there's you a don't lack of it should be a feeling though you should feel that there's a difference between where i just came mm-hmm. and it definitely here. feels different here when you detect magic there is this immense overpowering overwhelming source of magic and you turn in the direction and as it's dark and dark and dark as far as you can look but then up in the sky way too high to be real you see what appears to be the top of a tower uh, there's a tower with, you know, the parapets at the top and it appears to be cut square and it's rotating in the sky slowly. You can see this silhouette from the light of the stars blacking out a shape hmm. that seems to cover half the sky. And in that direction, again, you see dragon flame erupt now at an angle and you hear the cries of people probably burning. Yeah, I think at that point, I think I would turn away from the dragon flames. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably hasten yes. quickly. 
yes. away in the opposite direction. Yes. Uh, I think both my, uh, I'd have both my parrying dagger and my rapier out at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think probably at different intervals, I'd probably be circling, going around in a circle just to kind of make sure I'm covering my own back. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to see if I can see anything at all. All right. So you hold that parrying dagger. It's still lit out in mm-hmm. front of you. And you're able to run from that direction of the flame. And uh, you're making good time. There are no obstacles or anything. It's flat. Just this reflective pool of water reflecting your light back at you. Um, you can tell that... Uh, hold on. Okay, I think I'm still recording. Yeah. No, it's doing it. I just have to scroll. I'm not used to this program. It's all good. Okay, this will be a fun edit. (laughs) Um, So you run from the direction of the flame. You're traveling and the light that you're carrying in this darkness you realize too late makes you a target. Uh, a goblin runs out of the darkness in the fog and is already carrying its sword. It's this hacking sword with notches carved out of it. It's this really you know, tarnished blade and it's screaming its goblin scream at you and it's covered in this weird um, dusty armor uh, that is, in, is awkward on its small frame. Uh, it runs at you, what do you do? That is a good question. Um, I think I'm going to try my flayless, uh, flawless blade work again. Mm-hmm. See if we can do better than okay. we did last time. All right. Let's see it. Nah. <laughs> oh, man. What did you get? Five plus, Five plus two, two seven. seven. So it's so a success. It's not terrible. Um, what does it say on a seven to nine on that? Deal your damage and apply one technique and your opponent attacks you. Yeah. So what's the technique you're going to apply? And also you said your damage is a D8, so you can roll that D8 to deal your damage to this goblin. Okay, cool. Um, I think I am going to go with a... I'm going to go with a tethering. Uh, your attack pins your target's shadow to the ground, preventing them from moving more than a few feet from their current location. All right, so using that lit parrying dagger, it casts a shadow from the goblin. You're able to pin its shadow right to the spot in this reflective pool. All right, let's see what kind of... A five. A five, so you deal five Five damage damage. to this. That's a hefty blow. You swing with the rapier, right? You're doing that... Uh, fancy, fancy, schmancy blade work, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're able to um, pierce the goblin at its shoulder, and you succeed in dealing your damage, but the goblin f- flares at the pain and swings wildly with its blade, and it uh, hits you for, uh, let's see, uh, three minus two damage, so one damage. Oh. Yes, yeah, so he takes like just a, a little small cut at your arm. Okay. Uh, the goblin is fiercely mad now, and 
swings again with the sword. What do you do? I think that I would probably I do a tuck and roll to like avoid the damage. Yeah, so that would be a defined danger and you're yeah. tucking and rolling, so that would be a yeah. dex roll. So roll plus Ooh. your dex mod. Okay. Got a one. Oh boy. This whole six. Not doing well. Okay, so that is a fail so you try to roll out of the way but this goblin is just as you roll you realize now you're at its level and it's like oh finally and it just takes a little swipe out of you again with its hacked up sword uh it deals two damage now and gets a nice good chunk out of your leg uh you're bleeding from your arm and your leg now you can feel the blood trickle down your body as you uh get out of your roll and prepare for the next attack the goblin is satisfied with the tax it's made and it cackles at you and says, <laughs> cool. Uh, okay. So then I think I will go, um, yeah, I'll just keep my flawless blade work going. All right. That's about all I'm going to try now. Come back. That's five plus, what was this? Plus One, two, two, seven. Mm -hmm. So you make it a success. Yay, almost. <laughs> um, so it's still stuck to the ground. Its shadow is pinned, yep. right? Yep. It's Can't not able move. to get it very far. Nope. Um, so I think um, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a soul siphoning. So my attack heals me for 1d4. Cool. Uh, heal 1d8 instead if this attack kills your target. Oh, cool. So uh, we're going to try that. All right. Where's the bullet? <laughs> so you're siphoning attack, right? So you've got to roll your attack. Oh, yeah. That'd be important. Ooh. 8 plus 2, 10. All right. Winning. So, um, actually, I guess I get, yeah, so that's, that's. So for your siphon attack, does it say to, uh, roll plus something? Just says your attack heals you for one D four heal one D eight instead if this attack kills your target. So you would roll just a hack and slash, which is the basic, uh, attack move. And you would add your strength mod, which I think is zero. It is. But if you have an eight, which is a success, so you're able to deal your damage. And guess what? This goblin was already about to die after you dealt yes. that massive blow to it. So you definitely kill this goblin. How would you like to kill this goblin? I definitely want to slice off his head. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So with that thin rapier, you muscle through and swiftly yeah. leave this beam without its head. It falls exactly in its shadow. The head tumbles away and splashes on the thin ground, and you heal for 1d8. Yay, come on. Heal me. Eight. Oh, Boy. nice. I'm good. Very good. Rolls. All right. So. I'm back to full health. Winning. You vanquish this goblin. You hear far behind you now, even further away, the jet of flame and the sounds of battle. Um, the 
goblin now dispatched. Uh, you can tell that it had some things uh, on it uh, if you would like to search it, or you might want to continue to be at the ready in case of any future battle. Your light is still lit. Your parrying dagger is still casting a light in the darkness. What would you like to do? Um, I think... Uh, I think I'll take a look at what he's got, and then I think I'm going to probably distinguish, extinguish, distinguish, <laughs> <laughs> extinguish my parrying dagger. Absolutely. Like, so you put that light out, Yep. Um, and you check the goblin. It's yep. got its, you know, crappy sword. It's got nicks and cuts and dents in it and stuff. Um, it's got, he's got this... Um, it's a leather armor that's too big for its body. You can tell it was made for like a human or an elf. Um, and it's got a small patch of coins. There's a couple gold pieces in there. Uh, and then he's got uh, a, a, some dungeon rations, a set of dungeon rations. Um, there is also a, a scrawled note on it, on a, uh, a scrap of paper that's tucked into his pocket and it's written in common and it's very crudely written, very poor handwriting. It just says your turn go. All right. Well, um, I, th- I think I will take the piece of paper. Sure. Could always use a note. I mean, all it says yeah, is your know. turn go. Yeah. But I, I don't know what it's for. So it could no be, idea. you know, get a, get out of jail free card could be or something. something. So I'm going to, roll my chances sure take that absolutely yeah and that's it all right so you're standing in darkness and fog the light is extinguished now you're in total darkness and all you hear around you are the sounds of battle and then you hear three cannon shots it goes boom 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 right the sounds of battle uh begin to fade there's a slow dismantling of the orchestra of battle sounds and you can see in the distance pinpricks of light on the even plane with you and the pinpricks grow into orbs and then those orbs you realize are the same color energy as the portal that you were flung through Um, you realize that there are now many portals very far around you and then one portal opens up within about 20 feet of you. Okay. Um, well, there's not not many places to hide. So <laughs> that's kind of out of the crap. The, well, I guess I could hide beneath the goblin. I'm going to do that, actually. All right. So you tuck underneath this goblin. Yeah. You know, it's a very small goblin, you know, yeah. but you... you you're being an elf or very slight and you're able to gather yourself up into a ball and sort of hide behind this uh, dead goblin and you're yeah. kneeling in the couple inch thick water. Yeah. Um, through the portal, uh, nothing happens. You can see that there's light coming from the portal, that it's clearly somewhere outside of this place. It's a light that was similar to where you were when you started, um, but you can tell that the there are details within the portal as you peer through this aperture that it's not the trees you know 
All right, at this point, I think I'm going to take my chances and get out of this place and go through that portal. All right. So you leap out from the goblin, you yeah. cross the 20 feet, Yep. you leap through the portal. Yep. Still have my my dagger and rapier yeah. ready, just in case. Your feet land on the other side of the portal. You're in the ready position, and you look around, and... There's no one in sight. The portal behind you closes. At your feet appears a roll of parchment, a scroll, and as well as a um, small uh, uh, cloth sack. And the scroll is sealed with a wax seal. And on the wax seal, you can see... It appears to be the shape of a tower going up into the sky. Like the one in the portal? Could be. Okay. And it's just sitting there. Lying it's just there. sitting there. I guess I guess a sack can't really sit, but whatever. It might be alive. <laughs> it's a magical world. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen. That's right. Um, okay. What would you like to do? I am going to be probably pretty stupid, and I'm going to take the scroll and open it. Absolutely. You break the wax seal, and you unfurl the scroll, and the scroll tells you, it says, Kayana, welcome to the tournament. Tournament? As warlord, you may fight any time. The last warlord standing is granted power and a true wish. True wish. Hmm. It's like a genie, but... Hmm. Yeah, not much on the scroll. You read the rest of it. It says, fight and you will be rewarded. Well, that's kind of creepy. It knows my name. Yeah. But I guess it's a magical world. So. It is a magical world. Um... You uh, open up the cloth sack, and in it is 100 gold and a compass. Helpful. And next to these items, you didn't notice this before. It's as if you had seen this spot, and there was nothing there, but you look again, and now there is something there. It couldn't have been that you missed it, and yet here it is. It's this map. Although it's not like any map you've seen before, it's kind of pieced together the edges are furled together and there are pieces attached to it as if creating layers on the map um, there are addendums and extra pieces added to this world and in, you can tell right away that this is a map of crasis the world in which you live with a lull at its center and you can recognize the queen's garden where you live and you are nowhere near that point in fact the map tells you where you are. There is a small dot that says Kayana, and you are in a place that is a forest far to the east of where you are from. And on this map, there are other dots with other names. There are about 20 to 30 names on this map. Um, some, All these names, I assume none of them you would recognize. Uh, the other thing about this map is 
it's got details in the drawings that seem to indicate that around a law, things are as they were before the shattering. Just outside of a law, in a kind of blast radius around it, things have become dilapidated as you know them. And then further outside that, there's complete waste. There are bones, trees, uh, the skeletons of monsters. As if the further from a law you go, the more death and decay you find. And you roll up that map, you've got it in your pack, you've got the scroll with your name on it, and you've got this hundred pieces of gold. And then behind you, you hear, All right, you're ready to go. Okay, I whirl around. <laughs> you see something hideous. It is a floating eyeball monster. It has one giant eyeball at its center with a little mouth underneath it. And it's got tentacles with eyeballs at the end of each tentacle. And it's floating in the air. No other limbs. It's just able to float. And it's about the size of a beach ball. That's fairly large. Its teeth are very sharp. And it says to you again, Hey, hey, are you ready to go? Ready to go where? What am I doing? Uh, That's up to you. Oh, don't tell me this is your first time. I, yes. First time doing what? This this thing? The tournament? Yeah, I've never done that before. Oh, my God. They put me with a rookie. Uh, put, and who are you? My name's Cog. Cog. Oh, uh, I'm Kiana. I know. Yeah, of course you do. Did you write this? Oh, I don't have fingers with which to write. That. Is that, very true. That would have been from the tournament director. Oh, and it looks like they gave you a boon, too. Congratulations on your kill in the battlefield. Oh, was that a battlefield? Was that what that was? Well, have you ever been in battle before? Because it's kind of impossible to not recognize. I, I mean, yeah, I've killed some people, but... <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> you know? It looks like they rewarded your kill. A hundred gold. Very nice. Well, thanks. Uh, so you got the map, so... Uh, up to you. You know, normally past warlords, they would go and kill all the other warlords as fast as possible. Uh, some of them like to hide. Uh, some of them just like to go home. Uh, you, uh, that's an option? I can go home? You really don't know what's going on, do you? I uh, No. <laughs> Why did you go through that portal? I didn't mean to. The, what are you talking about? The, the ice frost giant threw me in. Oh, boy. Yeah. We've been having some problems with the tournament. To be honest with you, I can't share a whole lot, but seems like someone's trying to interfere. Mm, uh, that does not sound great. Well, look, kid. Now you're a warlord. I am. So it's up to you. It's either kill or be killed. Oh. Uh, I don't want really want to die, so I think I'll go with the killing part. All right. I like it. You know, I should tell you, you can either kill or be killed, or you can, well, some warlords like to set up their own challenges that don't involve dying or death. Oh. So, that's up to you, too. I mean, technically, in the rules, you could just play cards, and if you win, then you win, I guess. But that'd be pretty boring. Yeah, I would. I'm not that great at cards, so I guess that 
rules that one out. Well, are you good at anything? I mean, yeah, I'd say I'm pretty decent at, you know, magic and, uh, you know, my sword. I would probably work. stick with the killing them then. Probably why. Just my advice. Because remember, if, oh, I say remember, but I keep forgetting you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so in the rules, you have one minute to lay down a duel, a challenge, and have that challenge be accepted. Both parties get to lay down a challenge. If neither party accepts the challenge, then it goes to the automatic default, which is uh, kill or be killed, I guess. Oh, okay. So, you know, you have a shot at avoiding killing people if you'd like. And what's your job? Me? Yeah, what do you do? Oh, I just float around and document. I basically oversee you, I make sure that you follow the rules, and in the event of your death, I report back to the tower, and I let them know that one more warlord can be crossed off. And uh, if I don't die, then what? Oh, if you don't die. Yeah. I've never been with a winner before. So I'd be the first. Well, for me, <laughs> eh, that would be pretty cool. I've, I've never seen the top of the tower before. Oh, the winners go to the top of the tower? I mean, that's what I hear. The other beholders tell me that, and I tend to believe them. But I am gullible. I mean, okay. All right. Uh, so what are the other rules, then? Other rules. Yeah. Let me see. Mm-hmm. If you die, you're out. Uh, kill, and you will advance in the tournament. Um, okay. You can go anywhere you want. You can do anything you want. Um yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, have you heard of a warlord before? Uh, I have not, no. <laughs> Listen, now that you're a warlord, you're like a king. You get to decide what happens. Other people will look up to you and say, I'm going to listen to that person because they, they're a warlord. I mean, you've got the tattoo and everything, right? I have a tattoo? You search your body. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You find a tattoo. Oh. Where is that tattoo? Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be on my wrist. Which wrist? My left. On your left wrist is a tattoo. It's a circle, and inside that circle is the tower, the same as the wax seal. What's the deal with this tower anyway? Oh, Sizzeric? What? Scissoric? Scissoric? <laughs> it's the scissoric. Oh, I'm sorry. What? What's the deal with the scissoric? I actually, uh, I mean, I don't really know. You don't know? No, they don't tell us everything. I just know that when you win, you go to the top. At least that's what they told me, but I am gullible. Oh, okay. Um, and who's been telling you all this information? My mother. Oh, your mother had this job before you? No, no. She would never do anything so lowly. Uh, She is the queen. Your mother is the queen? Well, the queen of, I guess, us. I mean, she is a queen. All women are queens. So I'm a queen? Yes. Oh. Well, actually, you're a warlord, but, you know, I'm trying to be positive. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, All right. So... You know, in 
so you just follow me from battle to battle and like during the battle you just write oh, down everything that happens i follow you everywhere everywhere okay so if i have questions in the middle of a battle i just yell at you and you can give me the answer oh maybe i know some things okay all right hmm. i shouldn't really interfere with the battles though they do frown on that oh it wouldn't be interfering is making sure i follow the rules is what your job is mm. isn't it yeah, so if i, I ask you're right. you about a rule yeah then you can answer right yeah i suppose that's right yeah that's oh. that sounds reasonable oh okay all right cool i mean i'm not trying to like Go around the rules or anything. I'm just trying to follow them. So Listen, I really like you, Rookie, and I want to see you go far. Great. Me too. <laughs> so, um, where do you want to go? Um, okay, so then I'll pull the, the map back out. Yep, you pull out the map. Um, and it has, like, different dots of yeah, people. Yeah, there are dots with fighters, warlords. Races. Yeah. Warlords, okay. Yeah. Um... Does it show when they're fighting another one? That, you assume, would probably look like two dots overlapping. Okay. Okay. And there cool. does appear to be clusters of dots in places. Like, at the center of a law, you see a cluster of three dots near each other. And further off into the northeast, you see a cluster of two dots next to each other in what would be the north pass of the mountains. Uh, over there and uh, you see that there are yourself and then closest to you is a dot that appears to be moving toward your dot great uh let's just take on that person thing <laughs> let's take that one on <laughs> oh you're looking for a fight yeah let's do it all oh, right let's go <laughs> i like this attitude all right anything i should know about do you know about this guy uh who this dot coming towards me oh no i have no idea oh, okay you don't know anything about the other other warlords all i know is that this year's competition is pretty stiff oh great okay perfect um yeah let's let's go meet them and challenge them all right kid let's go do it let's go and so you walk in the direction of this dot that is pursuing you you are you've got your stuff all together you've got your beholder friend floating near you and you walk off and you're ready for the rest of your adventure in episode two that's it emma we did it oh we did yeah hey yeah <laughs> so how did that feel pretty good once i got the hang of it yeah i feel <laughs> like the same for me like i said uh i told you this before but i don't think i told the listener here that like this is my maybe third or fourth time dming and this is maybe the second time with this system so if i make mistakes please forgive me and i hope that you enjoy the storytelling above all else um we chose this uh system so that it would be rules light and that we could just have fun making a story um emma is there anything that you would like to plug um well i guess dinner detective we're gonna That's be right detectiving that's right <laughs> on the 30th yes so, yeah at the embassy suites yes please come out to the embassy suites check out dinner detective i think yeah. it's dinnerdetective.com yeah you can get tickets and sign up to have a great dinner and a fun uh murder mystery experience um if emma's ever doing any future shows or things like that make sure you check those out 
Thank you for listening. We have been Des Moines Dragons. This is Warlords Crisis Tournament. I have been Tim Overton. That's Emma Norman. Thank you once again. And... Welcome, everyone, to episode one, part two of Des Moines and Dragons. My name is Tim Overton. I am still your dungeon master. With me now is someone else, and in fact, two people I have with me, Jorge Ramirez and Ryan Proctor. Yo. What's up? Uh, we are still in my kitchen. Uh, that has not changed. Uh, what else has changed or not changed? Um, I have not changed. I'm still wearing the same clothes from the last recording. I'm still smoking. Still so. smoking. That hasn't changed. Um, it is one thirty-four in the morning on Friday the 8th, just so I can hold myself accountable when I edit this and not release it too late. <laughs> um we're going to play some fucking tabletop role-playing games, you guys. And we're playing Dungeon World. It's not, Dem- it's not uh, I almost said Des Moines and Dragons. It's not Dungeons and Dragons. It's Dungeon World. It's a different system. We don't use a D20. We use two D6s. Yeah, fuck that. And uh, it's a way better game for that. Um, yeah, you uh, gave me prison dice. I feel yeah. like I have more control now. Yeah, we're shooting craps. We're doing... We've got... Plain 2D6 found in a box for backgammon. Uh, anyone could play this system at home, and I encourage you to do so. We were just hanging out all night. We got some Lena's Mexican food. We had some breakfast burritos. Uh, we went and did comedy tonight at the Premier Mike, and everyone did great. All three of us had yeah, that was actually really fun. Fantastic sets uh, all around. Yeah, good time. It was a good audience. Um, uh, and uh, now we're going to record a podcast. So, uh, I feel like that's uh, the best thing you could do at one, almost two in the morning. Some people say <laughs> it's healthier that you do record your podcasts at one thirty in the morning. Uh, a lot of doctors agree. That's yeah. actually the best time to do it. Not certified doctors, but doctors. Yeah, people who call themselves doctor chiropractors all agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there goes our chiropractor audience. <laughs> We're already alienating people. Um, yeah. uh, so, Jorge, we have talked yes, about sir. this character of yours. Uh, tell me about, tell the audience about your character. We have a ninja. Well, it's just basically everything I just wanted to be growing up before I realized you couldn't be that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just a ninja. Uh, but I'm a cat person because I figured we're going to go crazy with D&D, so I'm, it's Khajiit. Yes, cat yeah. person, a, a Khajiit or Tabaxi, whatever you uh, call it. I think we're going with Khajiit for this game. Uh, I think I just like Khajiit because it sounds better on the I think it does the sound better. Uh, it's, it's much cooler. Yeah, sorry about your people. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got uh, a ninja cat person. Um. Tell us what you look like. What does this character look like? Um, well, this is the only time I'd want to be white as snow. You know, I just want to <laughs> be, I want to be as white as they can make them. <laughs> just a white tiger, if I could. <laughs> and 
then uh, just shinobied out, still wearing black, NWA style, just a ninja. <laughs> and what's your character's name? Um, yeah, we were really high <laughs> when we came up with my character's name. Ah, that's right. Tengen Hiwe. Sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds like something I would pick for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like it. Uh, and also uh, uh, with you is a traveling companion. Yeah, I got my, my fairy. It's my dude. This Khajiit is... I've known since birth. Go ahead and let him know. Yeah. Hide your wallet. Walking with you on this path in the desert wilds uh, is a fairy uh, whose name is... Yo, what up? Jose. The fairy. Yo, say the fairy. The fairy. Known him since birth, actually. Everybody in my clan was born with a fairy. And then, worry. You're on a walk with this fairy, and that memory haunts you, haunts Tangan. Um, the two of you are, well, one of you is walking. I imagine the other one is probably floating or kind of fluttering around um, in the air. Um, Tangan, you're on this walk, and around you are the blighted uh, deserts that used to be the world of Krasis. You are in what used to be known as, I think, uh, the Northern Peaks, uh, a mountainous area. Uh, They were previously snow-capped, but now all of the rock is bagged, and uh, it's hard to look at. Um, It's not a very beautiful place anymore. It used to be. Um, The white fur used to match the white caps of the mountains, but now... You stick out like a sore thumb in this uh, bleached rock. Uh, These outcrops um, extend for quite a few miles. You've been on this journey now with uh, Yose for some matter of days. Uh, You set out a while ago, and you've been walking now for a very long time, but you know exactly where you're heading. Uh, This place you're heading to is a place that um, was talked about in your clan. It was a sacred place where people would go to become what's known as a warlord. And they would fight in what you know as the tournament. Uh, Heroes of your clan would fight in the tournament and get as far as they could in order to gather resources for your clan, uh, gain favor of other warlords, or to make uh, deals happen that would buy security or uh, safety for your people. Uh, Opposed to you in your clan was a rival clan, and your two clans... Uh, each, each would send a representative, a warlord, into that tournament, and your rivalry would determine whose clan would come out on top uh, for that season, um, who would get the better food rations, who would get the cleaner water, uh, who would hold power in the region, would be able to make war or have to make sacrifices. Uh, and so there was a lot always riding on person's a warlord success as there always is with any warlord but especially for you and your clan um you're heading toward a portal uh that you know will take you to the battlefield and enter you into the tournament um and these memories keep cropping up memories of uh this clan uh your rival clan and you and yose are making idle conversation as you travel um, remarking on the few things that you can see. 
Um, in fact, you were talking about something, I think. What were you guys just talking about? Yeah, man. It's dead out here. You know what's weird is that I feel like at all the time we've been walking here, you haven't gotten tired. You've been flying this whole damn time. You haven't even stepped foot on this ground. <laughs> yeah, man. Get tired walking. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the sooner we get to this portal, the sooner we just finish this. I'm pretty over it. You scared, man? I got your back. <laughs> not, not even scared. Not even just trying to fucking... Honestly, as long as we fucking catch dude lacking and we can avenge the clan at the same time, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think we're doing good, man. Let's just get it. I feel like the sooner we smoke another joint, the better. Uh, the two of you carry on with your conversation, lighting up a joint to help pass the time, the travel. Uh, <laughs> um, far off in the distance, you can see this um, glowing orb of light. It uh, gathers, sh takes shape, and then splits open into an oval uh, aperture. And along the edges of this portal... Uh, time and space are being torn apart there's blue lightning crackling at the edges of where this dimension and another are joined together in order to create a connection on the other side of this portal through the aperture is a dark and foggy uh, landscape you can't see very far into where this portal will take you the light doesn't penetrate very far um, you can see it from this far out and you can also see that there are other folks gathered, ready to jump into the portal and take the spot of Warlord. There are soldiers with swords and weapons that are heavily armored. There are men with crossbows. There are elves with uh, bows and arrows. There are um, dwarves with hammers. There are all kinds of folk gathered at this portal um, and a kind of small contest has sprung up which is pretty common uh, as you would know at these portals for a kind of like local tournament to decide who gets to go through the portal uh, as you arrive and get closer to the portal uh, a man is thrown to the ground by an elf and uh, the elf declares it will be me today who travels, not you. Uh, the man uh, gathers himself, beaten badly, and walks out of the circle. Uh, you arrive at the edge of the circle. What do you do? Yo, say he got his ass whooped. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad, man. Hey, I'm going to I'm I'm try to get see if you got any money on him. Yo, the man's beat up. All right, you know what? I don't know. I feel like this is a waste of time. We should just get past this. I don't, uh, you know what it smells like? It smells like bitch in here. <laughs> like, let's just, I'm going to just go approach him. I'm just going to, I'm going to shove my way to the center. All right. You approach the center. The elf takes a look at you and says, would you be the challenger today? I'm getting through the portal today. I'd like to see that. I officially challenge you. Do you accept Yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's get it. And like that, the battle is on. Um, the uh, elf first draws a bow and 
uh, knocks an arrow and is about to let it loose, what do you do? He's about to let the arrow loose. He's about to let the arrow fly. Let's You're about it, son. 10 feet from him, so go I'm ahead and feet. make a roll. Uh, add your dex modifier, so make a 2d6 roll and add if your I dex. I wanted to counter throw, would I roll damage as well? Go ahead and roll the defy danger, and then we'll settle that as right. well. Roll both dice. Yep, roll those two. Eight. Eight, and then what you got here, plus two. Ten. So a ten is a success, right? Let's Anything go. that is ten plus is a success with no uh, strings attached. Um, awesome. So you uh, dive out of the way uh, before you can shoot the arrow, and you're already up and ready to attack with your ninja skills. So what are you going to do? I'm throwing a kunai between his eyes. All right. So you let's uh, do roll plus dex again. Same roll. Damn, you quick with it, son. That's uh, a seven. So yep. that's a success. But you have, um, let me check my rules here. So you are you looking to do less damage? No, I guess I'll move out the way then. Yeah. Okay. I, I so thought I'd, yeah. Okay. So you dive. You uh, miss the arrow. The arrow misses you. You throw your kunai, and you deal your damage, which is a D eight, which is that one. Five. Nice. So five damage. This elf is not armored. He's just wearing simple robes, so he takes that five damage. The kunai lands in his right arm and forces him to drop his bow. Uh, but you are now in danger because the totally on purpose. the where you had to move to to throw that kunai places you in more danger because now you're at the edge of the circle and people at the edge of the circle are gonna shove you and force you uh, back into the circle but you uh, kind of lose your footing and now you're uh, on the ground on your knees and in a uh, a weak you're you're vulnerable to attack. They bitch made. Get up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm getting... All right, roll to get up? Nope. Uh, the uh, elf uh, runs at you. He pulls this sword from his hilt at his side and uh, is running at you with a sword. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to pull out my half samurai sword. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to go for a counter. I'm all gonna right. Just so roll and add your strength. Did a three, son. That's not good. Four. Yeah. So you. Um, one because I have strength. So four. Yep. So you draw your half sword and you um, try to make an attempt at uh, attacking this man, but he's too quick. He's already upon you. You're in, and the fact that you were on the ground made you an easier target. So he slashes into you with his with his sword, right across uh, your chest. You take uh, a blow to your uh, robes into your chest. It. You feel the blood trickle down your chest and create cool uh, mist. Um, you take, uh, what's your armor? One. So you take two damage. You're bleeding from your chest now. I eat uh, that. All right. The elf um, prepares to make another slash. What do you do? I'm going to just go for his neck. I'm just going to. With what? I'm going to slice him with the same thing that I had. All right. I just missed. Go ahead and roll again and add your strength. Yeah. Seven. Yep. Wait, plus... Oh, strength. Oh, eight. Okay. 
Gotcha. So you go for this man's neck and you roll your uh, damage. Eight. Wow. So um, he cut me. Got serious. <laughs> you you deal a massive blow right to his um, artery. Uh, spurt of blood jets out of the elf's neck and seems to come out with each beating pulse of his racing heart. Um, uh, he quickly puts a hand over his neck and tries to cover up the wound to prevent it from bleeding uh, with his off hand. And with the the sword still in hand is now eyeing you uh, and uh, angrily like a wild animal is looking at you and makes a wild slash right at your face. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to dodge it. All right. Go ahead and uh, make a roll plus dex. Hey, man, I'd help you out if I could, but, you know, I'm only like three inches. No. The elf tries to make another slash at you wildly, and you try to roll to get out of the way, but you fail. Um, The slash comes at your back and deals a significant blow to you, dealing, uh, yeah, four damage to your back. Um, You have... Fresh blood on your robes uh, now, on your front and your back. So you've had a total of uh, seven damage dealt to you. Um, You're in pretty rough shape. This is a tough fight. Um, The elf remarks at your uh, lack of uh, ability. He mocks you uh, in front of the circle, and the circle of people cheer and are reveling in the fight and are excited for their turn, uh, whoever is next. Uh, what do you do? First of all, I'm just here saving my energy. I'm not even taking this fight serious, but I shouldn't have underestimated this pilgrim elf here. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm not done fighting you, so I'm going to throw more kunai. I'm throwing one in each hand. So I'm throwing two. All right. Roll plus dex. Six. Plus two. Two is success. Eight. So you can either um, put yourself in danger, do less damage, or take more, use up more ammo. Mm, If I use up up more ammo, will I not have it for the tournament? You will have, yeah, unless you take the time after this fight to gather up your kunai that you have used. Is my fairy big enough to get my kunai for me? <laughs> no. About the same size. Yeah, thought so. Well, I'm going to just uh, get in bad position again. <laughs> All right. I don't learn. All right. So y- you throw the kunai again and uh, the deal your damage as well. And you can roll twice and take the higher... Well, you rolled an eight, so you dealt the highest amount. Yeah. Uh, you throw the kunai, and they land. Where do they stick and kill this elf? Uh, in the Between the eyes and in the mouth. Between the eyes and in the mouth. Uh, Damn. This elf's face is filled with steel as you throw your kunai and uh, deal lethal damage. And the elf, his wild eyes both cross and center on the kunai in his face, and then he falls... Um, uh, the crowd goes nuts, um, and they part now uh, to let you into the portal. Tell your people about me. 
<laughs> Let him know what you saw here. That's my boy. Already. Okay, cool. Uh, that was way harder. I did not expect this guy was here to prove a point. I think maybe uh, he also should have been in this tournament. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty strong, man. Yeah, elves are cool, I guess. All right. The crowd grows quiet as um, the time nears for the warlord to enter the portal and join the battlefield. You got to do your wounds, man. Yeah, this is pretty fucked up. I've, I feel like I always get fucked up in these fights. I need to learn something. If you get a full day's rest, you heal your HP. If you get like a long rest, you'll heal half of your total HP. Um, so you're missing. I'm missing seven. How much? Yeah. Nine. Yeah, seven. Right. You good, or you want to keep pushing? Uh, I'm at. I might take a nap. We need to smoke again. This guy blew my high. <laughs> you you know that if you take a nap right now, you will miss the window for the portal. This is such a bitch. <laughs> I just wanted to get in this portal. Why is everything got to be so much harder than it should be? Let's it just only get in gets this harder. portal. All right. So let's get in this portal. All right. I'm in. All right. All right. So Tangan and his fairy companion leave the circle of warriors, the fallen bodies, and enter and step through this rushing portal. It sounds like a turbine, the way that the air rushes through this hole in reality. Um, Yo, don't die now. So you um, you step through, uh, and now you are at the battlefield, a place that your clan had talked about for many centuries um, since the falling. Um, after the shattering, your clan formed around uh, the mountains and previously had lived in the valleys, but took to the mountains in order to escape the hordes of Lumen and the Lumen Scourge, which are these creatures, which you know are large kind of, um, they're sort of insect-like giant armored uh, things that tear up the landscape. Um, ugly. Yeah, very ugly and very tough. Uh, they poured out of the whole torn in reality um, 500 years ago during the shattering and tore up the world they like tore up the landscape they burrowed and dug and sh like made everything ugly uh just like them um like a bitch to kill too mm -hmm. yeah uh so you your clan took to the tops of mountains where they could escape uh the ravages of these creatures and uh from those mountain tops uh your clan trained true ninjas um in the art of uh, killing quick and getting out. Um, you have many skills that you've learned from your clan and not the least of which are many cool weapons that you can use in this tournament. Um, you know that the battlefield um, is a rough place when your clan talked about it uh, in your training, in your ninja training the men who have uh or the people who have gone and survived are um horrified by what they've seen at this battlefield they also tell you uh that the battlefield is not when it should be that something is wrong in time that time itself is broken as well 
after the shattering and that when you travel through this portal, you are actually moving backward in time closer to the event of the shattering. In this dark fog area, you can see basically nothing. Behind you, the portal closes and you find yourself in complete darkness. Uh, what do you do? Yo, what the fuck? <laughs> this is not cool. Where you want to go, man? I mean... <sighs> I I don't know. I'm going to... Do you, you don't have any fairy magic to light this up, huh? You got nothing? Let's just, uh, let's find a, let's just spread out and find something. I'm in. Yeah, I can glow, man. All right, I'm going to reach for anything I can. I'm going to, I'm going to walk forward. You walk. As you take your first steps in this new area, you realize that your feet are splashing, that there is about an inch and a half of water, and it's reflecting back the darkness and the fog, and you're just a little bit of your reflection based off of the small amount of light that is available. Um, you take a few steps uh, around you. You now notice that you can hear the sound of battle, that there is the clash of steel, that there are voices uh, crying out, and that there are people uh, dying out there in the darkness and the fog far away from where you're standing now. Uh, there is also a giant jet of flame and the silhouette of a dragon's mouth accompanying it at its base, uh, and you hear more people scream. I don't like how this is turning out at all. This is not what my parents are telling me this is going to be like. Yeah, it's not chill at all, man. I'm not liking this, man. Uh, uh, if this is what it takes to be in the tournament, this is just... I'm, I might, I might leave. You know what? Let's just, let's just head towards the screams. I think that's the best thing to do past that. A memory flashes across your mind. The face of the black Khajiit who killed your family and your clan from originating from your rival clan. Uh, the face of the person that destroyed your family and your home and forced you on this journey made you come all the way here. Not feel I fucking hate this guy. It's rough, man. I know you told me not to think about it, but it's kind of hard not to. I feel like it's a lot of anticipation. Uh, you continue toward the sounds of the screaming. You approach uh, and just uh, find that there are uh, nothing. There's that. There's nothing for quite a while. You get closer to the screams, and then. Uh, as you get closer to the screams, you hear them before you can see them. You hear people fighting near you within about 20 feet. Uh, you can tell that it's a rough tussle and that there are people being stabbed to death. Uh, it's unfortunate how familiar this is. Yeah, man, it's tragic. I feel like he's got to be here. There's no other way. Man, you want to... Take a look around first. Get a lay of the land. Ah, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and fan out again. I'm gonna I'm gonna head towards. I'm just gonna head towards the screams. Just stay behind me. I got you. Uh, you head toward the screams. Um, 
you come across you 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 your foot kicks into something um you can't quite tell what it is you lean down and you find uh, a body of an armored knight um you feel around and you find more bodies uh and then you hear uh, a cannon shot and you hear and feel a rush of wind right past your face whoa yo you good yeah just miss me what was that i don't know we need to fucking get serious all right i'm laying low I'm crouching, and then I'm heading towards that cannon. But I'm running now at this point. All right. So now that you know the direction of the fire of the cannon, you use your ninja skills, and you can completely locate exactly where the shot came from. So you're quickly on your feet now, jumping over uh, piles of bodies, uh, bounding toward the target before they can reload, and you find a small team of soldiers uh, in a teal colored armor, uh, loading up the next shot. And before they can, um, do anything, you're already upon them. What do you do? The guy who's about to load the cannon, I'm kicking him in the face. Go ahead. Roll plus strength. Eight plus one is nine. You, you absolutely kick him in the face. (laughs) Yes. Um, the, the your foot strikes his jaw as teeth fly out and the cannonball that he's holding drops to the ground um and the rest of the team now sees that what's happened and are reacting to the the event uh reacting to you being there um the man who uh lights the fuse on the cannon uh throws down the 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 wick and is pulls out a, a sword and is dashing at you with that sword. I'm throwing two more kunai at him. Go ahead, roll plus dex. Who are these dudes? <laughs> Man, they don't like you. Six plus two, eight. So you succeed in throwing both your kunai. You can deal your damage. Three. All right. You deal three damage to this uh, guy, and the sword uh, comes down on you, and right uh, uh, in the opposite direction of the slash on your chest previously manages a blow on you and deals uh, five damage to you, Uh, a huge blow. Uh, The Kunais don't have the stopping power you'd hope. Uh, They... I missed. I mean, you didn't miss. You oh. you hit the guy. You dealt damage, but he's still coming at you. And this guy's beefed up. Still, yeah, with a, with a big swing, gets you across the chest again. So you're now at uh, five health. I'm about to die here before you even make it to this tournament. I don't even know who the fuck these guys are. The guy you kicked in the face has now gathered himself up and has pulled his own sword and is looking to thrust it into your side. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to dodge counter, please. All right, so go ahead and roll and add your dex. Eight. 
plus two. Nine, ten. So you completely uh, roll out of the way. And what does that look like? What's your ninja skill look like when you get out of the way there? Oh, what am I doing next? How does it look? How does it look when you jump out of the way? out the way. Yeah, where do you jump? How do you do it? Um, I step to the left so he's right in front of me. Okay, so you step to the left. And now you are ready to attack. Um, yeah, and I'm putting a kunai that's in my hand in his neck. All right, so roll strength. Eight, nine. So you succeed and thrust your kunai into his neck and roll your damage. The blood spurts out. Three. Warm blood pours over your face. You feel the hot uh, blood trickle down and mingle with your own. And you feel uh, the struggle of this man trying to resist the force you're applying to his throat. Um, uh, You can see now this close to him that the missing teeth and his tongue jutting out of his gritting smile. Uh, This man is maybe... In his 30s, um, he's struggling to breathe as the kanai blocks part of his windpipe. Um, He reaches for his knife at his side and attempts to stab you uh, on your side. Uh, What do you do? Yeah, these guys are built different. Uh, You gotta put this dude down, man. I know. Uh, I'm going to dodge counter again. I'm going to step. I think I'm going to step around him. So you're going to step around him. Mm -hmm. And then what are you looking to do? I'm going to try to just snap his neck. Okay. That's the best way to end this. So roll plus strength there. Undeniable. Yes. So you step out of the way and then you reach out and grab this man's head and with one quick twist uh, shatter his vertebrae and the man falls in a heap on the ground. Uh, The cannon lighter uh, behind you now is uh, screams and runs at you with his own knife. What do you do? I'm going to take a giant jump backwards into the air Mm -hmm. and throw more kunai. All right. Go ahead and roll plus dex. What are these guys' problems, yo? (laughs) Why are they dressed like in teal right now? (laughs) Damn. Wasn't focusing. You jump out of the way, but um, the man notices that you're jumping too soon and quickly changes tactics from running at you with a knife to throwing it at you and lands that blow. Uh, the knife sticks in your left shoulder and um, deals uh, three damage to you. Uh, you're at two health and the knife sears, it burns uh, in your left shoulder and makes it hard for you to carry that arm around now you've got a uh, 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 your arm is, is badly hurt and it's hard for you to raise it this is all before even getting to the tournament this is such a drag the uh, go ahead sorry 
I was going to say, yeah, man, like, uh, I mean, there ain't no way to cure you at all. Nothing. Yeah, we're going to do this in a second. I'm going to I'm gonna feel great after this. I just got to get these guys out of the way. You hear uh, two cannon shots now uh, from far away. The, uh, was the, that at me? The, the cannon lighter, um, he hears those cannon shots and goes, ah, You hear that? <sighs> Nearly time. You're almost done. I'm going to throw, I think I'm going to retreat then. I think this might be the plan. There's a lot of things going down here. I'm going to. I'm going to throw more kunai. This guy needs to die. I'm throwing kunai at this guy's face. All right, um, throw it. And I got hit in the shoulder, so I can only throw one. Okay. So I'm just throwing one at this guy. Nine plus strength, ten. Yep, so you completely succeed and nail. Uh, I'm in the face. Yep. Yep, roll your damage. Six is that plus strength? No, nope. well, that's, that's just, just what six. it is. Oh, I yep. gotcha. So, uh, where does the Kanai land killing this soldier? Uh, let's just put it in his forehead, right in the forehead. The Kanai lands. Uh, you uh, see the man fall, and the cannon is now abandoned, just sitting in this uh, floating space in the dark with fog all around. Um, you retrieve your knives. Uh There's still the sound of battle. You see a jet of flame erupt far off from the dragon ag again. Uh, and you can still hear battle all around you. All right. Well, I'm pretty fucked here, but at least these guys are dead. Yeah, man. You you still did good, though. Okay. Yeah, you're good. I've, all right. Well... I think the best thing to do is heal up, but I really need to find out who's over there. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna just, I think I'm gonna just lay here for a second. I'm gonna find somewhere else to lay. I'm gonna find somewhere to sleep. You search about in the dark and find a small patch of clearing. You lay down in the inch of water and you can feel your wounds. Uh, the wound on your back seems to mingle with the water and almost like um, soothes it in a way. The wounds on your chest are still fresh and exposed to the air. And anytime the wind passes, the uh, rush over your wound gives you fresh pain. As you're laying down... I'm good, G. Don't trip. It's all good. I was worried there for a minute, man. As, oh, you're, you. as you're laying down... You're kind of looking up at the night sky and you suddenly realize that half of the sky seems to be kind of gone, that there are the stars where they would normally be, but then half of the sky is blocked by this massive structure. It seems to be floating in the air, a tower. Uh, you can see like the classic parapets of a tower, those square blocks along the top. And it seems to be rotating very slowly, a massive, massive structure, silently floating in the air, rotating. 
ah, I don't think I'm going to be able to get any sleep. <laughs> you you lay for a while. Uh, after a, a period of time, you hear three cannon shots. Boom, boom, boom. And then about 15 feet from you, light tears through the darkness, a familiar color, the color of the portal. And you can see, you look over off your shoulder and there's a portal uh, not too far from you. It appears to be light outside. Yosei, you see that? Yeah, man, I see that. I think that's the fucking move, dude. Let's get out of here. I agree, man. I feel bad for those cannon people, but uh, we're going to go ahead and just go heal up. Yeah, they probably had families and stuff, but we don't have to think about that right now. Yes, that dude who caught a kunai in his face. Let's just dip. We head towards the portal. All right, you make your way toward the portal with no issues. Um, You're able to step through the portal. Do you want to step through? Yeah, let's step through this. Okay. Let's get the hell out of here. All right. You make your way through the portal. Uh, You step onto uh, dry sand. Um, You are in a place that's somewhat familiar to you. You're at the base of the North Peaks, um, not far from the mountains you're familiar with, but back in the valley where your people first started, now closer to uh, the kingdom of Alal. Um, You find that at your feet are uh, a few items, um, and they did not appear to be there before, but now here they are. Uh, there is a scroll with a wax seal, and in the wax seal is the shape of the tower. Uh, a seem like a the thing you saw, um, and there is a small pouch, a uh, cloth pouch. Uh, it appears to have some coins in it, and there is also a map uh, rolled up, um, and then. Behind you appears a beholder. Are you familiar with what a beholder is? I am not. I think your character might be. I I, I would suspect because uh, having previous warlords enter the tournament, uh, they would have met these creatures. A beholder is a floating eyeball monster. It's about the size of a beach ball, a giant eyeball with a little mouth underneath it. It's got tentacles budding off it that also have eyes, eyeballs at the end of those eye stalks. It appears before you two and uh, says, Whoa, whoa, wait a sec. Are you like a duo act? Whoa, look at this floating eyeball, Yose. Hello, man. Yo, this guy is crazy looking. Yo, no, it's just me, the tournament. What? Are you part of the Teal guys? No, no, I'm not part of that Teal guard group. Those guys can go suck it. I'm a beholder. I'm part of the tournament. My job is to watch you and make sure you follow the rules and also to report back when you die. When I die, this guy. I mean, I might look like I'm dying, but hey, I'm not dying. All right. Well. You look pretty bad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you're part of the tournament, you can tell me what I need to do. Well, you've got your items there, right? Why All don't right. you try opening the scroll? All right. I open the scroll. 
inside the scrolls a letter um, addressed to you by name. It says Tangan. Uh, and then it welcomes you to the tournament. It says um, you uh, are now a warlord and that warlords fight anytime, anywhere. The tournament is everywhere and will decide everything. Um, if you make it to the end, you are granted power and a wish. Um, uh, kill or be killed. Um, you've accepted the challenge. Congratulations on your work in the battlefield. Here's a reward, referring to the coin pouch, uh, and as well as the map, uh, which will be your guide. Uh, you take a look at the map. The map is a map of the kingdom of Alal and its surrounding areas, uh, and as well as at the its edges are uh, the rest of Krasis. What you notice about the map is that at its center is Alal, and it appears that the trees are still green in a circle around Alal. And then as you get further out, the world becomes more desolate and decaying until you get to its edges where there are floating rocks and islands of earth that have been upended from their gravity and are floating off into space due to the devastation that has happened to the planet. You also see on this map that there are many dots and some of the dots appear to be moving. Some of the dots are in clusters and then there is one dot that has your name on it and it shows that you are in the base of the mountains. This is a map of all the warlords. I can't believe it. This is how they're going to do it. Uh, can I identify what the nearest dot to me is? Yes. There is a dot that is fairly close to you. It does not appear to be moving. Um, there is actually two dots next to each other that appear to be close. Mm. What are my surrounding areas? Uh, so in the surrounding areas uh, of the map, there are... Um, locations marked on the map there um is a place called um Morsank, uh prison there is the uh and it's just kind of uh south east of you a bit and that is where those two dots appear to be uh there is a small ruined village on the map that is marked that uh, used to be called sif uh, and there, that is to the west of you. To the north are the mountains, and to the south and west is the kingdom of Alal. All right, you know what? Uh, to heal up, I'm going to go to the mountains. I think that's best. I'm feeling pretty fucked up. In the mountains, in that direction, is there any dots? No. Hey, seer person. Hey, beholder. Uh, you going to be following me this whole time? I must, yes. I'm going to follow you the entire time. All righty, then. Uh, let's just head towards the mountains, guy. You're part of the group. Oh, oh, okay. You smoke on this funky green stuff? What is that stuff? Yo, safe. Yo, light it up. Awesome. Sick. Well... I'm going to head towards the mountains. Let's go. All right. And the three of you head off back to the mountains of your people. Um, 
and something suddenly appears on the map. It's like a scorching flame. A name appears above a dot. Um, it's the name of your rival, the Black Khajiit. Uh, it's far off into the southwest, farthest from you on the map. That's him. That's the fucking guy, dude. He's here. Uh, the beholder says, Ah, a boon. You must have done well on the battlefield. Not everyone gets to know a name. Ah, this guy. I can't believe he's here. Of course he'd be the farthest one away. I don't think you're ready for him yet, dude. Oh, every part of me wants to leave. Let's just... Let's just head towards the mountains. I'm gonna... Let's just not think about this. We got people that are closer to us. And the three of you head off to the mountains. You hobble out and are still hurt, injured, but you, you know, will find a place to make camp. You'll get some rest. You'll heal up and you'll keep walking. Um, that is where we will end things tonight. Do we have any plugs, I guess? This is the hardest fight ever. Uh, it was a tough fight. I don't know. Did very well. Depending on when this is coming out. I have a show tomorrow night, apparently. It will not come out going. tomorrow. I can guarantee yep. you that. <laughs> I didn't think so. Yep. Catch well. Jorge at, you know, a show sometime. Usually you find him at Teehees. I'm all around. Um, you can catch me at uh, any of the open mics here in Des Moines or at any uh, Nixon hate rally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's about it. What about Ryan? My Ryan. boy Ryan here. You'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm out here, man. Try to hit all the open mics, teehees, lefties, uh, you know, at Mistress Brewery one of these times. Yeah, shout out to teehees, man. Still holding it down, putting us all here together. Yep. Being able to do this comedy stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the first time I really did D&D, &D, especially in a comedy form, so thank you. Oh, no problem. You guys did great. Yeah, hang in uh, there. Can't wait to listen to this when all of it comes out later. It's going to be like The Office. Dude. Everyone's going to like it when we don't care about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. That would be pretty cool. Right. Um, we'll wrap things up tonight, but you stay tuned, listener, because part three is coming up right now. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Des Moines and Dragons Part 3. I am still Tim Overton, your Dungeon Master for today's game, and with me is someone else. It is Jason Monroe. Jason, hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. It's yeah. really good to see you. It's great to see you. I'm glad that we're back at the table with each other. We can play some more games. You know, it's been a while. It has been. Yeah. Freaking pandemic. So yeah, who would have thought that something that fucking traumatic and huge would have caused problems for us? <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> Half of the country <laughs> wouldn't have. <laughs> well, here we are back at the table ready to play some more games. We've got a different system this time. Instead of doing uh, Dungeons & Dragons, we're playing Dungeon World. It's uh, using 2d6 instead of a d20. You're familiar with that by now, listener. Uh, Jason and I knew each other. We met first by doing the campaign, the Awakening campaign with Paul and Charity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the first time we really met. I mean, we met, I think, like episode three. 
when you show up on the scene or episode four maybe yeah it was it was crazy because it felt like the amount of kind of uh, episodes that i wasn't in was like this staggering huge thing and then when i actually went back through and re-listened to the show and stuff it's like i really was there for yeah. almost like 80 pretty much the whole thing yeah and yeah i really feel like you were like a big part of the whole thing really that like it Things really started clicking when you showed up. So, oh man, I loved it. It was really fun. Very excited to be playing with you again. Yeah, uh, you rode the bike over here today. It looks good. Thanks, man. Yeah, what'd you do with that old bike? So this last year, we kind of went through this process of like trimming the fat. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I had actually three motorcycles. Ooh. I had this huge uh, Harley Road King. I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, and then I had a kind of a. A uh, bike that had been chopped up. It was yeah. a, a Harley David Sportster from yeah. like the '90s, and then I actually had an old '70s Honda chopper. Yeah, and I could barely, I could never keep that thing running. Oh. I really liked the Sportster chopper, but it was just really pretty impractical. Okay, and the Road King was really good for like when my wife and I wanted to ride together, but that was maybe fifteen, twenty percent of the time. Yeah, and the thing was like eight hundred plus pounds, just <laughs> yeah. really not yeah. comfortable, right? So. And honestly, you know, hopefully without alienating people, I kind of just fell out of favor with Harley culture Ooh, and yeah. um, just that whole scene. And yeah. so, and I really, I did some research and I ended up getting a Honda Rebel okay. 1100, which is new this year. Yeah. And what I like, it's got like, it's a modern cruiser. It's got rider modes. Nice. It's got fucking traction control, all this cool stuff yeah. that, you know, for under, you know, a Anyway, I so I ended up selling two bikes yeah. and trading a bike. And you're not paying for the brand this time. Yep, you're not paying correct. for the bike. Yeah, not not brand. Uh, you know, I, in fact, what I like about it is the anonymity. And yeah, I also kind of had like, you know, I, so I turned fifty last year mm. or this. No, God, this year. And it was one of those things where I was just like, you know, I've ridden motorcycle for so long. It's like you find like you kind of like worry that you press your luck. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to go at GAT, which is the abbreviation is all the gear all the time. So I don't ride without a helmet or you Good. Know, jacket with pads, yeah. all that stuff. You never and, know what's going to happen. And when we used to ride that way on the Harley, we would get literally oh, mocked yeah. around, you know. And so it's like, I just kind of wanted to pull myself out of that entire scene so I could just ride in peace. And yeah. It's actually been really good, and that's good. In a fun. weird, ironic way, the motorcycle brand was actually keeping you from yeah. enjoying motorcycles. Yeah, it, you know they haven't modernized their stuff very well. Yeah. They're not keeping up with the times, and when these, you know, tons of motorcycles are able to create great bikes, you know, and for way less money, yeah. way more reliable, you know. So it just made sense. So anyway, you know, like I said, I don't, nothing against people. I think Harleys are cool. I would love to still have a chopper, but it's just, you know, I don't, one mo motorcycle is enough. You know? Send your angry emails to info at DesMoinesAndDragons.com. Yeah. <laughs> I believe Ted will answer those. Yes. Um, uh, why don't we play some games then? Yeah, dude, uh, let's do this. All right. So first off, what we should do is probably talk about your character a little bit. Just who are we looking at? What do they look like? What's their deal? Okay. Um, so uh, the character goes by the name of Kage Inu. Mm -hmm. Um he is a half-elf. Um, he kind of, when you look at his appearance, he uh, appears very disheveled, um, kind of walks around and, and cobbled together um, what he can gather kind of equipment. Um, he wears what I, they, I believe it's referred to as a hakama. It's kind of a robe, uh, like a, you know, um, what a what a Japanese person or a samurai or whatever would have worn kind of in their leisure. Um, mm -hmm. But he's... Uh, kind of like sewed on 
bits of armor and things that he's found. So he's got kind of like the lamellar shoulder yeah. square. Um, you know, so he, and he, you know, he doesn't wear, he wears the traditional sandals, but he's like strapped some like shin guards on. You know, it's just, he's kind of a hodgepodge. Um, he's relatively, I wouldn't say he's filthy, but he definitely is, you know, he doesn't look like a, you know, a clean nobleman or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got very long kind of scraggly hair that's kind of, you know, kind of kept back from his face as best he can. Um, he is always unshaven, um, but not, he doesn't have a, doesn't have a long beard. Um, his kind of ears kind of point out from, you know, peek out from his hair yeah. and stuff. But he also does wear one of those, um, you know, kind of the, 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 the sun hat that you see, you know, if you ever watch like Ninja Scroll or yep. something like that, he's wearing that, you know, that iconic hat. Um, but yeah, that's what he looks like from a physical characteristics. Um, he's a sharp looking dude, but underneath all, it, you got to dig for it to, to find it. Um, but he carries himself in a very, um, uh, I don't think serious is the right word. I'd say more dour, like, you know, like yeah. um, you get a sense that he's not much of a jokester. Um, then huck yuck it up much with the, with the others. <laughs> the yucks and the, yucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. I think we got a great description of Kage. Um. Let's see. Kage is on the road walking. Okay. Um, uh, He's used to that. Yeah. Uh, and not at a fast pace, taking his time. Right. Um, traveling that road. He needs to. He reserves his energy for when it's absolutely necessary you know because when it is necessary in this world you gotta have it yeah there's a pain at his side and he reaches kage reaches for his side and feels uh the saya the sheath uh that he carries and a memory occurs to him the memory of how he got this sheath Mm. um why don't you describe for us a memory of how he came to in possession of that sheath so as he feels it, it's an all too familiar ache. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, when he gr- when he actually places his hand on it, it kind of takes him out of his current present and pulls him, you know, almost through space and time. He kind of feels himself moving back to this memory where he w- he remembers himself sitting down and just watching his father practice um, Aido with you know the the art of the drawing of the sword and attacking. And he was always just mesmerized by his father, um, and because he knew one day that that sword would transfer to him. You know, it had been handed down to his family for multiples of generations, probably two hundred years or so. And um, yeah, we he, see several people dressed in uh, garb, ready for battle, that are all working together to pull that sword and just that motion. And then following your father, a group of people all squared up in lines pulling that sword and making that strike. Um, we see, uh, sorry, go on. Um, yeah. And so he sees that and then he kind of has this, you know, a very, very, uh, abrupt click where he hears, remember your oath. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, you know, shakes his head and he, 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 he sits there and he looks and he, there's not an apparition, but he sees an apparition. He, he, he recalls, a, a Somebody that's very yeah, integral to vision. his new into his new life. Yeah, and uh, he looks down and he sees, of course, that there's no sword in this, and he kind of shudders a bit. And uh, as as the pain, you know, the ache, 
it's not really even a pain. It's like this kind of yearning, an achy yearn is just emanating from this thing. It's kind of pulsing, you know, with this kind of weird, kind of negative energy. And along the uh, along the sheath, the saya, there are there's this uh, these words, and I think it, you know we can we can say it's like kanji, you know, symbols, you know, yeah. uh, not a written, not a hand like a letter written language, but a symbol written language. Right. And it says it says on it it says. <laughs> it just says, um, our oath and shadow must be fulfilled. And he's, when he looks at that, he kind of snaps himself out of it and starts walking again. Yeah, continuing down the beaten path. The sun is bearing down on him. and It's bleached the landscape. Everything is torn up. Um, the world that he walks is broken. And you can see Kage's face is stern and reflective over these memories that continue to haunt him and drive him forward. Uh, Kage is walking and knows where he's heading. He knows that he's heading toward a portal. He's not sure what the portal looks like, but he had heard from um, man before he died that the portal was how you would find uh, honor in battle. And that that pursuit of this new uh, adventure is what is driving Kage forward now. Uh, in fact, uh, as Kage is walking, we come across a portal portal tears at reality itself, the edges, blue lightning, and a rushing wind sound. Uh, and through the portal, through the hole that the portal creates in reality, there's just darkness, and a light fog pours out of it. Um, yeah, there's spinal tap. Yes, steps exactly. through. <laughs> <laughs> the druids. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, and around this portal, something interesting is happening. Um, Men in teal armor are attacking uh, what appear to be fighters who are not associated with each other. Like, there's this group of guys in the same teal armor, and they're all attacking uh, this group of, like, a sparse collection of different kinds of warriors. Uh, hmm. Men with swords and daggers and crossbows and bows and, uh, and different... Uh, family armor and in collected uh, sh scraps of steel and things that they were able to assemble into some kind of armor. And then this teal guard, and the teal is faded by the sun. It used to be a richer color, you can tell, but it's dusty and it's lighter now. Um, and the teal guard are screaming and slaughtering these folks. There are six teal guard members and there are five uh, members outside of the teal guard and from your knowledge, you're willing to bet that these folks are here for that portal. Okay. Um, so when I, when you describe this as occurring around the edges of this portal, mm -hmm. so I can assume these people are on the same, in the same, they're not on the other side of the portal? They're not. Okay. Um, so as the wind's kind of flowing out of this thing, he just, he, he, in a really kind of almost like cool, like Western way, he kind of like, one of his like you know kind of side cloaks he kind of whips it over his shoulder yeah. you know poncho style yeah. and kind of frees up his right arm and he kind of just grabs with his left hand kind of adjusts his hat so it doesn't blow off and tightens the rope that goes around his chin yeah. and uh he starts stepping forward t towards this group of people but the one of the things that's unique is you see him reach from behind him underneath his cloak and he pulls out just this kind of it's actually a broken sword it's um it's got a decent handle, and there's a little bit of a, kind of a guard there, but it's been chipped and cracked in half and stuff. 
and he slips it into his saya, and you see around that area it starts glowing, and then as he pulls it out, it's actually a sword, and it's a katana, and it kind of crackles to life and makes this kind of vibrating kind of feel, and he just starts, he walks into the fray. All right. So um, Kage walks into battle, and a Teal Guard member sees this flourish of the blade and uh, recoils at the sight of the magic coming off of the katana, and uh, quickly gathers himself again. After slitting the throat of one of the fighters at his uh, hands, he shouts over to Kage and says, Hey, Half-Blood! No portal for you today! And I, he, um, I just uh, kind of smile nonchalantly, and I bring the weapon down in front of my face as I put it to the, to the side of me, and I whisper to it, You will drink today, friend. All right. <clears throat> the man hears your words and is enraged by them. He gets up from his recent kill and rushes you with a dagger. What do you do? Um, I wait for him to make his attack. All right, so he comes at you. The dagger is flying at you. It's his thrust forward right at your chest. Sidestep and cut his hand off. All right, roll 2d6, and you're going to add your strength modifier. Okay. Um, so with this as being kind of uh, the hex blade, will that actually come from my charisma then? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, i got to remember what the high stat is. Is it 16? Plus 2. Plus 2, that's right. Yep. Um, oh, probably miss. Uh, that's a 7. No, sorry, a 6. Yeah, that is a miss. So okay. as the blade comes for you, the memory strikes you before the knife does, and you are back in time. Uh, you are at your village, and it's being attacked. Um, there are creatures as large as cars that are traveling through your village and ripping people apart. They're steel-like skin, they're ar black-armored, and their acidic juice is pouring out into people's faces, melting them. They are ripping through the ground, coming up, burrowing, and then tearing the rocks apart. Um, they, you see your father being torn apart by one of these creatures, and your, your familial blade, the Oathsworn, is uh, cracked. Not now, damn it. Yeah. You come <laughs> to, and you have a fresh mark of blood on your shoulder. The you were able to sidestep the blade, but only just enough missing, and you have one armor, so you ha took two damage. Okay. Okay. Um, the man comes at you again. He says, weren't you paying attention? <laughs> You'll see. He makes another thrust at you, again for your chest. Um, this time I actually go to the other direction, and I cut horizontal across his uh, abdomen. All right. Um, that's going to be a seven. So you succeed in, in cutting across his abdomen, and you deal your damage, which I think we decided was... Uh, ten, a, something. A D10? I got it, yeah. Got so that? we got yeah, D10. Yep. So... One where, of these, or one of those? I, yeah, I'll take that. I, let me roll with my evil oh, yeah, dark dice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. This will probably prove to be bad. <laughs> uh, four. A decent hit. So... The armor, uh, the, the blade, your blade clangs off of the armor and it swipes the side of this and it actually reveals, it cuts open the lashings on the side of the armor that hold it to his body and opens up his plating a little bit. Okay. Um, the knife that he's rushing at you, it catches you in your other shoulder, leaving another small uh, mark of blood. Um, it doesn't deal any damage, but the mark is there. You're able to sidestep quickly out of the way this time. Okay. Um, he readies again. He says, um, get out of my way. <laughs> I chuckle, um, and what I do is I uh, back up even further, and then I, I actually put the sword in the in the sheath, and I kind of stand ready for a, a, a draw and strike. Says, what are you doing? Fight, damn it! Come at me! All right. So the guy runs. He's ah! He 
slash you with the knife right across your face. He's going for the face. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm actually going to kind of... Um, it's kind of one of those techniques where you kind of wait as, as their weapon's coming down, you, you shift forward and strike. All right. Oh, yeah. That's a uh, max That's hit. a max hit. Yeah, so, so go ahead and deal your damage. That's the full Monty. Seven. Yeah, this man is run through. Uh, you swipe right through him, and you're on the other side, and he doesn't even know he's dead yet. Poor man goes, ha, 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 <coughs> falls dead. Yeah, spray of blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the other teal guard noticed that this fight hasn't gone the way they thought it should. Uh, there are now two teal guard remaining. Everyone else has died in the fighting around you. The portal remains open. Two teal guards stand before the portal, blocking your way. Um, so I do something different. I take the weapon and, you know, I kind of do that cool samurai thing where they release the blood off the blade and it flies and sprays on the ground. And I bring my other hand up and I start, and like black energy starts going and yeah. I just do an eldritch type blast to one of the guys yeah. standing next to him. What color is this energy? Um, is it comes, it, it, it actually will kind of, it, it comes, so let's see how I can describe this. So. I don't want to say the Saya is like a focus. Like yeah. if somebody breaks that, it nothing, it doesn't work. But it's it my connected. It, it's my connection, right? So it swirls around my waist and comes up my arm. And as it's doing that, it's almost like a black snake. Yeah. But as it flies out, it changes from black into like this kind of like a striking kind of purple. Mm -hmm. So your eldritch blast flies across the, the the floor of the desert and lands and impacts uh, one of the teal guard at the portal. Yeah. Um. That Eldritch Blast is a, well, that's a cantrip for you. Yes. So you can just do that. So you yeah. can just deal your spell damage, which is, again, the D10. Right. Okay. Uh, eight. Great. So you splash. The Eldritch Blast, like, hits the Teal Guard and blasts a hole in the armor. And there's, like, burn marks and fresh blood being poured out of this uh, tin can man. Um, he falls to his knees and is badly injured. The other man uh, who is standing at the portal is now rushing you with his sword uh, drawn. He's going to try and make a slash at your chest. Okay. Uh, I'm going to parry his attack. Okay. And deflect his... Um, I'm essentially going to de deflect his blade away from me so that I can kind of maneuver. Like, he's going to go past me. I'm going to strike at his back Absolutely. If, when my action comes. Yep. No, that's you. So 2d6. Okay. Uh, that would be eight plus 10. two is ten. So you completely succeed in exactly what you wanted to do. Okay, Go cool. Ahead and tell us. All right. Well, I turn. So the the he's coming at me with an overhand. As he does it, I kind of direct his thing around very fluidly. And as he goes past me, I turn, and it's like one of those nice straight slashes right down the middle of his yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a big hit. Two. Uh, yeah, you get right across the back, but the man is like falling away from you and just past the edge of your blade. Isn't able to dig in as deep as you'd like. Uh, the blade aches. Uh, you feel its hunger and thirst. It's like you're teasing it almost. Mm. It wants to feel the full depth. Well, I shall give it what yeah. it wants. So the man wheels about and is now slashing at you again. The man on the ground has gathered himself and is running at your back with a knife. You have two attackers attacking you at the same time. Interesting. Um, so what I want to do is, if they're literally coming at me, I'm going to basically sidestep mm. at the last moment and see if they collide. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That 100% yeah. happens. The man you blasted in the chest stabs his knife into his friend, his uh, armored uh, mate, and the man with the sword uh, comes down hard on the clavicle of the man who was blasted. The two collide, and their weapons clang into each other. As they're connected, I'm going to cut both their heads off in one swing. See it? Come on now. 
Good roll. Good roll. No, I don't. <laughs> you go for the one swing. Yeah. It... You know what? I'll say forget the roll because that's awesome. Like you, okay. they're they're standing there. They don't know what to do. So you come down with that blade and you cut both their heads off. And that's it's purely because I know that there was such a yearning and desire to yeah. have that fresh kill. Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as the heads are severed, fountains of blood, you leave your blade out for it to drink. Nice. Um, the Everyone around you is dead. The portal lays open. This rushing sound like a turbine tears at reality itself. Blue crackling lightning, and on the other side, darkness and fog. Um, I search the men's stuff uh, for anything useful because, you know, you've got to maintain yourself off of what you can find. Yeah, absolutely. Six teal guard, half of them had their dungeon rations, so three sets of dungeon rations, those each have five uses. Each okay. has one weight. Okay. All right. And, um, you know, if any of them has a bandage or something, I'll ga- grab that, and I'll kind of tend... I'll look at my wound and see how superficial or how bad it is. One of the warriors who died early on, you notice his hand is grasping a nearly drunk healing potion. So close. Oh, yeah. I'll take that, and I'll pop it real quick. And yep, that's one use. Ten health, your full health. Top myself off, and... Uh, Make sure I don't see anything else that's useful, and um, if I'm good, I'm just going to kind of adjust myself. Uh, I, I uh, take the sword, and I kind of basically I hold it close to my chest, and I say um, some, you know, kind of cryptic words under my breath, and it just kind of flashes. Like, it's not even like a, it's like thinking if you blink. You, you, you sometimes can view a blink as a flash, but yeah. it's not. It's like a blink occurs, and all of a sudden it's just this weird broken sword and I stick it back in its sheath or it's a little carrying thing in my back yeah. and I walk through the portal. Alright, you walk through the portal. As you step through, your foot collides with wet ground. An inch of water reflects back the inky black as you make your way in. Uh, the portal closes behind you. You're now in complete darkness. Uh, in your immediate uh, view, there's nothing but fog and the water at your feet reflecting yourself back up at you. Well, this is trippy. Um... I'll, uh, I'm sure I've got some sort of thing. I'll even just light a rag or something, but I'll, I'll try to make some light for myself and, um, and, uh, kind of see once I can kind of adjust to this, you know, I'll try to see if I can see any markers or see if I see like a faint light in the distance or something and try to orient myself. You look out and as you peer out, uh, the only light you see are the pinpricks of light of the stars but even those are obscured by a shape looming over the sky. Mm. It appears to take up half the view, um, this giant structure, something black and dark. You can see at the edges, uh, at the top of it, it appears to be like a castle wall with parapets. Um, there's uh, stone blocks every so spaced out, and it appears to be rotating oh. slowly, this okay. massive structure taking up half the sky. Well, and then you see a jet of flame far off and silhouette of a dragon's maw at its base. And you hear the sounds of battle, clanging steel. And those sounds are far off from where you are. But you can tell that with not too much time, you could arrive there quickly. Well, we should, uh, well, uh, the desire is to be joined in battle as often as possible, um, you know, by this compulsion. Um, I'll uh, 
I'll start making making my way there at not a not a too brisk of a pace to to cause myself some stamina, mm-hmm. you know, whatever our problems. But I'll I'll start heading that direction. All right. So you start to head that direction. Um, before you can reach the sounds of battle that you heard, something is already upon you. Um, your light, the rag, the torch that you made, has made you a target in this darkness. And mm. out from the dark, there is a uh, a warrior who steps out, a um, an orc wearing like bone and metal uh, smashed together armor, and a giant hacking blade. Um, it's like a saw that's been attached to a pole arm to create some kind of sword. Um, the orc comes at you and uh, with a big sweep swipes at your um, at, sh- at you. Um, I kind of uh, I, 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 out loud I say you didn't even give me time to introduce myself. <laughs> and I kind of back up and, uh, you know, just I'm just trying to dodge the attack and trying to gauge this person. Yeah, go ahead and roll and add your dex. Uh, which I imagine would be a plus one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, let's do that for now. So I'll have a plus two on, on charisma, plus one on dex. Probably a plus one on strength, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, he's a lot more hardy than he is strong. Let's okay, just put then, it that way. Okay, then maybe constitution. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then... Uh, zero, zero, and minus one. Okay. Let me just figure that out. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, so, okay, let me roll again here. Absolutely. Let me this um, I rolled a six. I don't know what that gets me. So what were you trying to do again? You're just trying, trying to, to get away from the attack and just, like, as you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know... Yeah. You know, trying to, like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. What's going on You're here? trying to move out of the way, but you stumble over a dead body at your feet that you didn't notice before. Um, okay. The stumbling... Um, uh, you fall to the wet ground, but the slash misses you. Okay. So you're now on the ground. Um, well, I'm definitely going to get up and get myself some distance from this guy. But uh, before I do it, um, what I'm going to do... I need to look through these real quick. I apologize. No worries. We got plenty of editing power here. Nice. So I have to go through and make some, uh, like, I need to pick on some of these abilities at some point. Yeah, pick some um, of those advanced moves. But we'll get some of that stuff figured out. Yeah. Um, so what I'm going to essentially do is, um, for the flavor, I I say, you know, uh, I, I draw that weapon and yeah. I put it in and pull it out and <laughs> it yeah. flashes. Purple and I, light. And then I, I, with my other hand, I say some, you know, whatever stuff and I do this and there's all of a sudden like a, a sheen that goes <laughs> around me mm. and there's a shield. Yeah, absolutely. So your armor has increased. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you're now, I think, at two armor. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the presence of your magic um, and the torch that you were holding is dropped. So the only light now is this purple light from your magic. Um, uh, the orc comes at you again uh, with a big blow, two hands overhead coming down on you with this giant uh, fashioned blade. Okay. Um, so I will... Um, I think what I need to do is I'm going to do a reaction as he's coming down, like right point blank in his face, just do an Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Uh, that would be... Uh, that's a charisma. What is? Uh, what, yeah, that's okay. your charisma. Okay, so that's going to be in uh, nine. Yeah, absolutely. So you blast him right in its face. The okay. purple fire flames 
rush over its face and bloody it. Uh, four damage. Yeah, so that uh, blast, it knocks the the orc back and is uh, taking it back and stumbles backward from the, the blast and nearly drops its sword. It, like, shakes it off and <laughs> grunts out the, the trying to get the smell of burnt hair out of its nose. <laughs> nice. Uh, while it's doing that, I am on it. I, yeah. I leap forward and just start cutting. Yeah. Um, uh, that misses. Yeah, so you go for the slash. The thing uh, it holds up its blade and it blocks that first uh, katana strike. Okay. Um, go ahead and roll again. Keep fighting. Yeah, it's uh, basically at this point, since I've got it kind of in this react, in this defensive mode, I'm just going to. Yeah, it's, it's still backpedaling. And it's really aggressive. Yeah. Like, you know, the el- not I wouldn't call it what he did before ele- elegant. Yeah. But he is, you know, it's yeah. like a different mode for yeah. him. Yeah, uh, that's probably what is it plus two? So that's a seven. Yes, that succeeds. Okay. So yeah, clang, 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 strike after strike after strike, that's and then another four. One gets through this giant blade it's holding, and it, under its arm, you cut across its chest, and it drops this blade uh, it was holding, and now it's just going to rush at you and grapple you. It makes a running tackle and it captures you and uh, wrestles you to the ground. Okay. Um. So. While it's holding me, uh, if depending on how I have a free hand, oh, I got it. I with my hand that's loose because I can't really do anything. What I do <laughs> is I actually say the words under my breath to make the sword disappear, yeah. and I flip it, put it in, and then turn it oh, real cool. quick so the blade comes out. Yes, in, into its side. You absolutely do that. That works. And go ahead and roll damage with okay. that d10. Yeah, uh, four. massive blow to the ribs, and you can hear bone break as your hilt slams against the side of its body, and the pressure uh, releases this giant fountain of blood and green-black blood. Um, uh, the orc like cries out, screams, and then it reaches for your throat and puts a giant paw over your uh, throat and mouth, uh, kind of collapsing your chin into its into your throat, um, attempting to choke you to death. Um, so with my free hand, if I can still speak, I'm going to do another Eldritch Blast into his face again. Yeah, you mutter it into his hand. He's like, what? Uh, that's uh, nine, so that's yeah. probably a hit. That's a hit. I need a real good seven. That's it. So how do you kill this guy? Um, as it's like, and it's like, it's, you know, this feral creature as it's doing it, I literally like put it up underneath its chin and I say it and I see the blast through its mouth and it just comes out the top of its head. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like this wild, like spraying, like, yeah. you know, like it's almost like the, the, the beam has like a physical form. Yeah. It's kind of like a spraying hose, yeah. you know, and it, it, it just kind of like folds and falls off to the side and I pick myself up and I, I, I was not prepared for an immediate attack. I, 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 I you hear me like talking down on myself. Damn it. You have to be more careful. Yeah, you are covered in this creature's blood, and you are wet. Uh, your robes are wet by the inch of water that you've been tackled into. Disappointed, um, but glad I'm alive. Um, you still hear the sounds of battle, and then you hear three cannon shots. A moment passes, and then off in the distance, blue light. And then a little closer off to your right, another blue light. And then very close to you now, a portal opens. You can see daylight coming through. 
you hear the sounds of battle continuing, and you hear and you can see the jet of flame erupt from this dragon's maw once more. You're even closer now than you were before. Um, weighing my, you know, so I, I was kind of fueled by like this, like desire to like go and do this fight and stuff, but I realized that like potentially. You know, I I think I was caught up in it in a way. So I kind of write myself, and I kind of look at where that portal is, and I kind of look at what's going on. I'm like, fuck this! I'm, <laughs> I'm heading through that. I need to. This is not a hospitable place right. at this stage. You make your way to the portal, and you step through. Yeah. All right. Um, you step through the portal into daylight again. Soft uh, sand meets your foot, and you find solid ground. Um, the light from the sun is still out. It, not much time has passed since you travel into this dark place. Um, you can, uh, you would recognize the area around you as the Barrens, the area northwest of Alal. Okay. Uh, this used to be a kind of dry, swampy area. Um, there weren't many, um, like, civilized things living out here. Um, and... It's become even worse after the shattering. The trees are all dead and dying and twisted and gnarled, and the ground is all torn up uh, around it. Um, at your feet, and you have the awareness as a samurai of like the stuff that's around you, uh, um, and you feel like something appears. You feel it happen, uh, and you check around your feet, and there is a scroll, a coin pouch, and a map. All right. Um, the scroll has a wax seal on it. So, <laughs> being the pragmatist, I look at the scroll, I look at the coin purse, I pick up the coin purse first, <laughs> and I open it up, and I look at the I count how much money is in it. Like, okay, I tuck that in a in a fold or a yeah. pocket, and then um, this map, I hold that, then I. Look at the actually. I look at the map and see if it if it if I actually under, know what that means or you know if, if any of the whatever is depicted on the map if it makes sense. Yeah, you almost recognize it, but something has happened. The map appears to be of the world of crisis, and especially with at its center the kingdom of a law. But things are different on this map. Um, it appears that like around a law, they're still green. Mm. And, and a radius around it. And then you go further out, and that green fades to a desert sand. And then you go even further out, hundreds of miles maybe, and it's just black. Uh, and then even further out on the edges of this map are bits of floating rock and islands that have separated from the world. There's also attachments to this map as if like uh, sewn on for areas that are uh, labeled underneath it as Shadow, Shadowfell and Fey. Mm. And you can tell that reality has broken, that time has broken, and that these dimensions that used to sit next to our own are now squeezed and crashed into our own. Mm. There are also dots on this map. Some of the dots appear to be moving. Some of the dots appear to be in clusters. And then there's a dot with your name on it. Okay. And you find yourself out there in the Barrens. Are there any dots near me? There is. There's actually one fairly close to you in the Barrens. Um, okay. And um, so I was going to jokingly ask if there's a dot or if there was a marker on that says, you are here. You are here. But now I know I am here. Absolutely. Um, so now that I see that, I'll kind of 
you know, I'll try to like make some moves to kind of see, you know, what I'll, I'll, I'll orient myself off the sun or whatever I can see and mm-hmm. try to kind of figure out where that dot is. But just to make sure that I'm, you know, keeping myself facing in a good direction. I mean, I don't really know how to gauge that distance yet. Right. But um, I'll pick up that scroll and I, 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 I spend a moment and, and uh, you know, kind of investigate what that seal is. Yeah, you investigate the seal, and as you're investigating the seal, your your arm comes out to hold the scroll in place, and a bit of the cloth uh, on your robe falls back, and you can see that there's a marking on your arm, on your forearm. Okay. Um, does it match the... It matches the wax seal on the scroll. And that is the, I'm, that's a mark that probably I didn't have before. You did not have that okay. before. All right. And now it is a is it tattoo. Like a, is, it's a tattoo? It's a circle, and inscribed in the circle is a tower. Oh, okay. Well, clearly going through that portal has indicated somebody that I'm, whatever, I don't know. All right, so with that being as it is, I'm kind of, you know, vexed per, per, per se, um, but I'll, uh, I'll kind of, twist and crack that crack that scroll open and uh you know i'll be keeping an eye on these dots but uh, i'll yeah. look at that scroll yeah you're keeping an eye on the dots and even though the dot it appears to be moving toward you it appears to be moving fairly slowly okay um yeah we're still not quite sure of the scale but you read the scroll it says welcome kage inu warlord um you are uh, hereby entered into the tournament of crisis. Um, uh, the, the letter goes on to say that um, a challenge may occur at any time in any place. If challengers are not accepted, then a duel to the death. Uh, the winner by default will advance in the tournament. Um, uh, what else does it say? It says... Um, uh, <clears throat> it congratulates you on your... Um, performance in the battlefield and indicates that the reward of the coins was your reward for having killed on the battlefield. Hmm. Um, and uh, as you're reading the scroll, you hear this voice behind you. Hey, ready to go? Uh, I turn around like very, like, almost like, what? Like very startled. Um, I'm not normally used to the people being able to get the drop on me, yeah. so to speak. Uh, I, I turn around like frantically, and I'm just kind of wide-eyed. And what do what do I see? You see a giant floating eyeball with a tiny mouth at its bottom, and eye stalks with eyeballs at the end of them. And it says, "Hey, are you ready to go?" Uh, um, who? Wh- oh, where? What? Who are you? Oh, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> My name is Cog. I am your, I guess kind of uh, watcher, your overseer, or I, well, they didn't give me a title, but what I do is I watch and make sure that if you're still alive, that I report back you're still alive, and if you die, I report back that you're dead, and keep the tournament going. So you work for... I work for the the tournament, yes. Hmm. What are you? Oh, me? I am a beholder. Oh, um, so you're just gonna follow me? Or? Uh, yeah. There's one of us for each of the warlords. Um, we all follow our warlord and make sure that they're following the rules, or if they're dead, that we report back and let the tournament know what's up. 
<clears throat> well, just just stay out of my way. Oh, no problem. I'll always be way out of battle. I hate this stuff. Kind of actually chuckle at that. Um, oh, a sense of humor on you. Well, that's good. That'll make the travel a lot easier. And if you prefer I shut up, I can shut up too. Um, so, this tournament... I, I, so, let me take a moment. How I mean, is, something, is the tournament very widely known, or is it... It's very widely known. Okay. Um, you, because you've been kind of out in the wilds, uh, roaming the earth... You haven't had a lot of interactions with people to learn about this tournament. And for you, um, the shattering happened in your lifetime. So this tournament is a new thing for you. Um, right. It's still new in the world. But it appears that with all of this magic and all of this pomp and circumstance that it's very well established. And it's got this kind of vibe like, well, everyone knows about the tournament. Right, okay. And when we, so to try to, not, not retcon, but try to understand the beginning. Yeah. When I was made aware of this portal, can we maybe, so I'm trying to. You trying didn't to know put, it was a tournament. Right. Yeah. So how did I, let? so is this something that somebody, let's hey, you ought to go check out this portal thing, huh? or, you know. Let's flash back. Okay. You are in a ruined village. There are burned houses, destroyed timbers, and there is a. Uh, a man who is um, abusing a woman who uh, he slaps her across the face and says, more ale! Uh, you wander into town. Um, so there's, you know, I've been on the road for a long time and I am parched and I need something to drink. So mm -hmm. I'm going into whatever, you know, I've, the way I have always imagined this, that like establishments here really don't exist as much as like, you know, you've got like a place maybe where, you know, there's a semi, uh, stru a structure that's still sort of standing up and maybe somebody is there with some people. So there's clearly some people have congregated here or at least some people are surviving here. And I'll approach, you know, if there's actually like a place where they're serving something, I'll approach and say, I, do you have any water? Yeah, the woman behind the table uh, that's set up, it's like a half-broken bench. It's like, I'm sorry, but... It's not very clean. I that's I, I'll here I can pay and I'll look for like I've got like a shiny thing that I found. I'm like, uh, how much can I get for this? She takes a look at your money and then hears a slap and she her attention is diverted and looks back at the man who is abusing this woman and you hear again more ale. And is the woman that's being abused the same person? Different I'm person. It is. Uh, but they appear to be related. Okay. I. I'm not real happy with that. Um, and, you know, not sometimes to, to sate this ache, I have to kill people. Sometimes people I wouldn't want to. But sometimes I'm lucky enough to be able to kill somebody I do want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking one of those moments is coming. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I kind of look at the woman and I say, is he a relative or a regular of yours? He's, he's kind of a regular. Do you need his income? Do you need the money he brings to survive? He never pays. I turn and I just walk over to him and I just kind of say, oh, actually, I don't kind of say, strike the woman again and it will be the last thing you do on this 
godforsaken planet. Who the fuck are you? Oh, I just cut his head off. And it's gone. <laughs> Fountain of blood. The woman screams. Both women scream. But the older woman who was serving you earlier is um, quiet now and nods. But I actually go the step further. I drag his body out, throw it into the road, throw his head out there. Any kind of money that he had on him or anything of value, I take it up to the counter and I put it up there for him. Sir. Yours. Sir. I can't repay you. Uh, I just need some water. Here. And she actually reaches under the bench and lifts up a rug and under this uh, chest, she pulls out a clean bottle of water. Oh, I look at it like it's a thing of beauty and I take a drink, and as I'm drinking, I'm drinking, you know, a lot. I, I, the discipline of, like, self-control kicks in, and I put it down, and I cap it, and I actually uncap it, and I say, I offer her a drink. She puts her hand out to stop you, and she says, your blade, it thirsts as well. Indeed it does. There is a place you can go. If you travel from here about day or two, in that direction she points out the way you toss the body in the head, kind of back the way you came, actually. Hmm. Um, in two days there will be a portal that will take you to where you need to go. So, you know, as I've traveled, you kind of, you, I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, but I definitely believe in serendipity and a lot of things I tend to look at them as like signs from my ancestors or things to kind of push, continue pushing me on this quest slash path that I'm on. And I, I definitely view this moment with that kind of reverence. And I thank her for the water. Um, and I walk by the other two women and I kind of tip my hat or, and then I, I start walking that direction. We come back to the current moment with the beholder in front of you. Um, he says, hey, you went somewhere for a second. Lived a long time. And I was just recalling what brought me here. Um, Cog, is it? Cog, yes. All right, Cog, let's go. And I, I, I open that map and I look at it and I say, I assume this dot is someone I should kill. You are correct, sir. That is another warlord. Very well. I fold the map up, I stick the scroll in a fold, and I start heading towards the dot. Alright. And with that, we will end the session today. Woohoo! We did it! Nice. Alright. I love the flavor, dude. Yeah, good. I, you did so well. That was awesome. Those, those fights were great. Thanks, man. Um, I love systems like this where they don't bog you down yeah. with like, the minutiae. It's really more about You don't have that move. <laughs> yeah, it's like... But I'm a fucking swordsman. Yeah. Of course I do. I cut his head off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's mean, what you do. That's what we practiced for years. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, that's cool. So, uh, did you have anything you wanted to plug or anything that you got coming up? Or? Dude, I have jack shit. Hell yeah, So, brother. Super Chief doesn't, hasn't been doing much. Um, well, if you haven't checked out Super Chief listener, please <laughs> listen to Super Chief. Yeah, please listen to us. We are wanting to play shows again. Uh, we're just being a lot more selective. You know, yeah. the dudes, everybody's now got kids. Yeah. And just li life is occurring. And, life. You know, so, so that's happening. But, you know, for me, it's just like, um, just... Uh, working and looking forward to getting more into this All and right. you know just kind of reintegrating myself into the world again well 
I'm glad that you're back. Yeah, man, me too. Very glad. Some parallels there with Kage, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Except I'm not so good with a sword. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, as for me, listener, you can check me out. You know what's up. Um, thank you for listening to part three of episode one. And stay tuned because part four, the final part, is coming up right now. Right on. <laughs> I do like see-through dice. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome, everyone, to part four of Des Moines and Dragons. Have oh, recording this the whole time? <laughs> I just started recording as we were talking about your cool dice. <laughs> I really I hope you get a new set for this campaign because I, I love new dice. Um, I am still Tim Overton. Uh, with me is someone new. It's Matt Lamb. Hi, Matt. Hello. Uh, Matt, how do we know each other? Comedy, I suppose. Yeah. I think just, we met at Lefties, maybe. I think, yeah, Lefties around that era. Like, yeah. We've known each other for a good Probably six, five, yeah, five or six years. a long time. So we're going to be playing some Dungeon World system today. It's different from uh, Dungeons & Dragons. And the main difference, as we were talking about as I started recording, was that um, it uses 2d6 instead of the d20. And so instead of a moving threshold uh, where, you know, you, in, in Dungeons & Dragons, you can say, like, you got to pass a DC of 15 or whatever. Uh, the DCs are always the same in Dungeon World. A 10 plus is a total success. You do exactly what you set out to do. A 7 to 9 is a partial success where you succeed in doing what you wanted to do, but something maybe bad happens. Um, and then a 6 or lower is a failure. And I make a GM move, which may mean you get hurt, may mean something bad happens, the environment changes, the situation changes against your favor, uh, those kinds of things. But for the most part, reason why I like this system is because you can do whatever you want. There's no turn order. There, you fight, and it's fluid. You should feel like you can make whatever cool moves and as many as you want. Um, and we'll just be going back and forth and having a conversation, making up a story, which I'm really excited about because um, you have created a very interesting character that I can't wait to get into. Uh, would you mind telling us about your character, Godi Kari? Yeah, so Godi Kari, is you to do like the whole backstory? Uh, you can, uh, appearances, uh, oh, yeah. the, what they look like. So Godi Kari is a uh, anthropomorphic coyote that is, uh, you know, just, you know, pretty standard coyote colors. So he's kind of got like a tan mm -hmm. situation. He doesn't really look too much. Imagine like, like a Disney's Robin Hood type, you know, creature, but instead of a fox, it's a giant walking coyote he's pretty beefy yeah because uh, i've chosen the fighter class so i've you know he's whole you know his whole stick is that he's a fighter guy you know he likes to you know he's a hand-to-hand -hand combat so he's very he's muscular without being like so large that he can't move around sure so that's kind of to give a picture of what Godi car looks like that that hopefully that kind of good build yeah yeah and um this character is a fighter uh, and just like all the characters uh, for this campaign, I haven't mentioned this yet, but everyone is starting at level three, which means they come with a few improvements. Um, those things we'll get into as we continue with our campaign. But uh, for now, we got to get uh, to our introduction. So let's start with Godi Kari is walking. Uh, Godi Kari um, is from a area where you might find coyotes, right? In what is formerly known as the Orcs Territory. Uh, there are canyons and deserts, and it was desert before the world shattered and created the now endless desert where all the roads are destroyed, the gods are dead, people 
try and survive in the world, but are driven mad by the fact that society has crumbled. Uh, noblemen rave in the streets, losing their minds. Um, and people who uh, get by manage to do so quietly um, so as not to attract any attention from the rough folk and the mightier who have made meals of this apocalypse. Um, Godi is on a journey, and in that journey, Godi is meditating because Godi likes to meditate while walking. He, his, his gaze, your gaze, Godi, is centered and even-keeled, and you walk with an even step despite the rough terrain. You are able to take in from your peripherals an entire field of vision, and without paying any special focus on any one thing, you take it all in for what it is, and you can absorb the information from the environment around you. You feel a connection with the space that you walk through and travel in that you are a part of. Um, all of that connection guides you on your path to where you are ultimately heading. Uh, and you are heading to a portal, a portal that has uh, been known about for 500 years and for you is part of the natural world, just like the rest of everything you see around you. Um, you're heading toward the tournament, a tournament for warlords where people fight to decide who gets the resources in this apocalypse in the in lieu of a government or any kind of uh, democracy might has been made right and people survive by winning what they can take uh, and then this tournament rose about as far as you know out of that natural phenomena of conflict and war and rather than have the chaos of absolute war on every front a consolidation of violence has occurred. It's become centralized and in a way more civilized than things have been for a while. Uh, it's the last bit of civilization left, a fight to the death between people to decide who gets to drink and who gets to eat or who gets to die and who gets to suffer. Um, you're walking toward the portal and you know where it is because uh, the peop your people have known about it for a very long time. Um, usually actually abstaining from joining the tournament, which has made life difficult in this world where people need to fight to live. But you, your kind were able to find their own way. Would you mind telling us more about your people, Godi? Absolutely. So uh, my people are a very of-the-land type uh, people. We existed more or less outside of the, you know, what was remaining of society because we had already sort of been ostracized, we learned to make our own way, and as a result, uh, we created a, a more or less self-sustaining society that was unfortunately deemed uh, you know, dangerous or unwelcome and was subsequently broken up. So now, uh, Godi has been separated from his people, and I guess I should, I'm assuming I should be speaking first person. I don't need to be in third person here. Uh, I, yeah. I have uh, just, you know, now that this portal has been here, uh, I know that there are potential riches and on this side that without my family to back me up, these riches could potentially bring me back to my family or even uh, bring me back to closer connection with my God. Yeah, absolutely. And 
that has a, been a painful decision. Uh, it's going against tradition, but in a, in a way, it's to keep tradition, and it's in a way traditional to go with the flow, and that's what Godi is doing. So that flow carries them on this journey now to the portal. Um, Godi finds the portal. You find the portal. Um, and you see this tear in reality. Uh, past the portal is the endless horizon you can fix on, but standing in front of that horizon, uh, imposing on your view, is this roiling storm, blue lightning crackling in an oval around, and inside, through the portal, is darkness and a fog pouring out onto the desert sands. You make your way to the portal, but you're not alone. As you arrive closer to the portal, there are um, covered wagons, three of them, and they're parked together, and separate from them, you can see, and as you get closer, you begin to hear the sounds of slaughter. Uh, You come upon a violent scene of brutish men in teal armor laying waste to these pilgrims, people who you know are folks who come to the portal to pray for the tournament and worship the tournament as the last sane thing in a crazy world. These teal guardmen, they're running them through, hacking them to death. Men and women and children, what do you do? I absolutely decide to intervene. That uh, it is it is unacceptable that a that that this be disrupted. The importance of sanity and prayer and just any any thing that can bring people together in such a time is important. And to disrupt that is absolutely something I do not stand for. The teal guardmen see you coming. One of them drops. Uh, the fresh body he has created and yells over to you, Hey, warlord! No portal today! I think I'll be determining whether or not I use this portal. I'd like to see you try. I'd like to see you stop me. And he runs at you with his sword. He's coming at you with full force and he's holding his sword aloft over his head. What do you do? I will try to dodge out of the way of his sword and try to kick him in the stomach. Ops. Okay, so roll 2d6. And you're going to add your strength mod. Strength mod, so that's going to be a... That's a plus one, so that is a 10. So you succeed perfectly. You step out of the way, and your knee, right, collides with this guy's stomach and <laughs> knocks the wind out of them. Go ahead and roll your d10 for damage. As a 10. That's a 10. So that strike penetrates all the way to his spine and just rocks this guy's core. He's absolutely out of breath and he is struggling now to breathe. There's a dent in his chest plate from your strike. What do you do? I will be merciful if you continue and or allow me to continue and you leave these pilgrims alone. And if I ever catch wind of this happening again, I will not be so merciful. So continue and I will strike you all down. Or leave these people alone. 
the the tournament must end. Well, then I will end it. This is not your business. You can't go. And he tries to stab you again. I dodge out of the way and I decide to step on his neck. Roll again. Add your strength. That's an eight. So you succeed. You, you, you attempt to step on his neck, but your foot slides and it, it clips his neck and he starts to bleed from it more. And now he's gushing blood. And he's bleeding out. <laughs> you bastard. I warned you. I told you I would be merciful if you allowed me to pass. You did not heed my warning. I apologize, but my word is my law. Through the portal steps a figure, a black silhouette, despite the sun. It appears to be the shape of a slender man. Uh, there's no face. And before you know it, this figure raises their hand snaps their finger and two frost giants step out through the portal as well right behind it each frost giant takes up a member of the teal guard quickly rushes grabs them and crunches them in their armor destroying these men they drop them to the ground and the silhouette snaps their fingers again and the frost giants turn slowly sullen faced and move back through the portal, having to cower in order to get through. The silhouette looks over at you, sees the man dying in the teal guard there, and turns and walks through the portal, blending with the darkness, becoming one with the fog. The man at your foot is now dead. What do you do? I turn to the other teal guards and I, you know, I make sure that they're aware of what has just happened. I, I motion toward the dead body at my feet and I say, if this is how you're going to treat these pilgrims, then your friend here is going to be the fate of you. Make your decisions. The teal guard look at each other and they take off. They gather themselves. They take their weapons, and they run, not into the portal, but away from it. You are now alone with bodies strewn about the ground, blood in the sand, mixing with the hot soil. It's so humid, and the heat cooks your fur. You feel that heat coming off you. You are alone with the portal now. So there are there no remaining surviving uh, pilgrims? There are none. Okay. Uh, I absolutely... Well, actually, that's a discern realities question. Why don't we do that? Um, 100%. This is the first time I've done discern realities, so I just want to explain it for the listener. When you closely study a situation or person, roll plus wisdom on a 10 plus, ask the GM three questions from the list below. On a 7 to 9, ask one. So why don't we try this? Go ahead and roll 2d6 and add your wisdom. All right. So that is a... We've got... Add my wisdom. I think that's a plus one, so I have a six. So a six is a fail, so right. you can't ask any questions, so we're not going to discern realities. So what I will tell you instead is that you don't know if anyone has survived at this point. 
So if you would like to look, then that wouldn't really be a discern realities question. You just go up and check bodies, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I would begin to just sort of look around to see if there's any movement, any potential. I mean, if there's any non-fatal wounds that I can assist with. You know, it's a good thing you did because there's a child that was playing dead, trying to remain still, but holding back sobbing. This child is so scared. And as you approach, is scared of you as well. Uh, so I, I kneel to the child's level and, you know, with, with a respectable distance between us. And I say, the dangerous men are gone. There's only me. Are you, is there anywhere you can go where you would be safe? My whole family is dead. They're all, they're all dead. Is there a nearby town where I can, where I can possibly take you? Is there anyone that may be able to help you? Uh, let's see. Um, You know, here in the Orcs territory, there aren't a lot of establishments, but the child thinks for a moment and is like, well, um, we travel in the caravan. We travel between portals. We make it to each one to pray. How far is the last portal from which you traveled? That would be, let's see. Um, They're spaced about, is it in my map here, the scale, about 25 miles apart from each other. So the child says, very far. How old is this child, like, roughly? Or, like, what like what would be me? Or what would be the approximate age? Um, about 8 to 10. Mm. Are there any supplies left in the caravan? Uh, yeah. Um, so that is a discern realities question. So why don't we try hey. it, rolling again? And that one is an 8. All right, so this list of questions there and you as a um, coyote also in tune with the environment have the ability to ask an extra discern realities question whatever one you would like absolutely i'm going to go ahead and ask what here is useful or valuable to me so let's see you find dungeon rations each has five uses uh they are each one weight and you find with the three among the three caravans, six dungeon rations. So this person would have thirty days worth of food. Yeah. How often do other pilgrims come to this portal? Well, um, the portal will close soon, and it may be a while before the next tournament. You are not safe where you are, but I cannot guarantee that you will be safe if you come with me. So it is a sad decision that you have to make. But either come with me and potentially face danger with me, or you can stay here and try to fend for yourself. You have 
food and I'm, I'm assuming water. I don't know how capable you are of taking care of yourself, but the reality is you would likely be in danger in either choice. You could be in danger with me or you can risk it here on your own. Unfortunately, your family has been taken and you have to make decisions. The girl weighs your decision, weighs your choices, weighs the choice. Um, it's, we're, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to go through the portal. That's, that's for warlords. But I've, I've nowhere to go. She thinks, I'll, I'll go with you. I nod solemnly, understanding that this is a heavy choice. But then I say, I cannot promise your safety, but I will tell you that the minute that I can find somewhere safe for you to be, that is where I will take you. Okay. I trust you. All right. Uh, I, so I grab a few of the rations just, and uh, I make sure that she grabs some as well. Yep. And I make my way toward the portal with her. All right. You can add that to your gear if you like. Um, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Um, you make your way through the portal. Uh, you and the girl in tow close by your side. You step through together. As you step through, it's dark everywhere all around and in your nearest field of vision lit by the sun through the portal is fog obscuring your vision it's very disorienting as you step through you step into an inch of water and it reflects back the portal and that sunlight and yourselves it seems like an infinite horizon of darkness uh, Godi is able to take all of that in and feels in the moment, an immense presence in this space, this very large space that you've stepped into. In fact, Godi, with your perception, you detect that there is a looming structure directly behind you and over you and above you. It floats in the air and spins slowly, this massive tower looming in the dark. You see a jet of flame and hear the dragon's roar, and you also hear battle, clashing steel, clanging against each other, the sounds of people dying, screaming out, terror. The child is very scared. She grabs your hand, your paw, tightly. I give her hand a squeeze, and I begin walking toward the tower. I don't say anything, but I, I hope that my... I try to, you know, create a sense of authority and responsibility to keep the child calm as I can. The portal closes. You're now in total darkness, and you make your way toward where you know the, the tower to be. You step lightly, splashing just a little, ever so gently, and the girl's splashing a little more. Um, even steps flow, carrying you to where you know you need to be you find that the structure 
is impossibly large. It floats in the air and spins about its center axis. It's, you can't tell because of how large it is, how close you are to it, or if it's very far away. You continue to walk. You hear two cannon shots. Boom! Boom! The sounds of battle continue. More dragon flame. More screaming. The girl silently crying. I continue my way. There's no real other sense of direction, and it's senseless to go blindly towards something, even if where I'm heading isn't the safest. Hmm. You continue to walk. You hear rustling sounds, and then your foot collides with a dull thud with a body lying in the water, and you're suddenly noticing a goblin pulling at the chest plate of an orc, this chest plate made out of scraps of metal and bone, and you see the goblin take it, rip it off, and then throw it on, and it looks very awkward and clumsy on the goblin. The goblin sees you now, and it runs off into the darkness with this tiny sword in hand and this clunky armor clanking its way through the dark. There are more bodies around, uh, men in teal armor, uh, knights in brass, and different weapons and things lying about. What do you do? I turn to the girl. Have you ever held a weapon? We're not supposed to. We're not supposed to do a lot of things. I am not supposed to be here either. However, some things have to be done, even if you shouldn't. So, where we are is not safe. And as I said, I cannot guarantee your safety. So, let's find you something that you can hang on to. And we'll hope that you don't have to use it. So then we'll search for like a small dagger or something. Yeah, absolutely. You find one on the teal guardsman, a dagger that's like a sword to this child, right? It weighs heavy in her hand. She takes it and uh, holds it tightly. And then with her other hand, grabs your paw. For sure. You don't have to use that unless you absolutely have to. So don't let this weapon get you into trouble. It is for... It is to save your life, not to take another's. And then I continue to walk a little more carefully and slowly and kind of motion for her to do the same. Mm -hmm. You continue to walk. The journey goes on. More battle, more screams. You've arrived at the tower, if you can call it an arrival. It still looms well above you, but now you can feel its presence in front of you. This mass slowly turning. There appears to be no base. There's no door. There's no way of getting into this thing, it appears. And it's very dark and hard to see anyway. So despite there being no entrance, you can feel that this is a structure, that there must be some way in. 
begin to, uh, to search for some sort of entrance, kind of pawing my way around, seeing if I can't find, like, you know, something to press or take hold of. Why don't we discern realities? Absolutely. Let's not, because that is the four. <laughs> the darkness is so impenetrable, and the fog, it's the structure, it's smooth. There's no masonry lines. There's no right angles, really, other than the brick lane going up, up, up. It's a curved brickwork that extends for a long ways off, and it continues to rotate in front of you, this slowly shifting mass. I'm sort of start to make my way around, see if potentially there's an opening of some sort if I can't find a handle of any kind, kind of see if I can't make a better assessment based on the size of the scope of this thing. Splish, splash. You make your way through the water and through the darkness and searching out with this thing. Your field of vision opens up as it does. You release your focus on this object. You allow yourself to take it all in. And you notice in the reflection that the shape of this thing changes in its reflection. That in the water, there are grooves along its edges, as if there's a pattern that repeats along the walls of this tower. You hear three cannon shots. What do you do? I keep my uh, senses alert to make sure that the cannon shots are not potentially heading my way. And I start to study the pattern intensely to make sure that I understand it completely. Absolutely. Let's see. Um, why don't you spout lore? Let's do that one. We haven't done that basic move yet. Spout lore. When you consult your accumulated knowledge about something, roll plus intelligence. On a 10+, plus, the GM will tell you something interesting and useful about the subject relevant to your situation. On a 7 to 9, the GM will only tell you something interesting. It's on you to make it useful. Well, I can't roll a 10 because I have a negative to my intelligence. So we'll see what happens. You might. Two sixes or oh, six that's to five. Yeah. I, I, math is hard. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we game, baby. Hey, that's actually an 8, so that's not terrible. That's a success. So I'm going to tell you something interesting. It's up to you to make it uh, make sense of it. The pattern that repeats on the tower, it's a series of dots and dashes. Dot, 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 dash, dash, dash. Dots and dashes. Hmm. Looking into it and hearing the three sounds of the cannon... I take my paw and I bang on the door or the structure three times. I pause and then I bang three times again. Yeah, absolutely works. This structure, a staircase, folds out of the side, coming at you, coming down. As it spins, it arrives in front of you and a portal opens behind you about 10 feet you can see sunlight through the portal and you can tell that it's um let's see your portal opens at um 
back at the orcs territory, familiar ground for you. A different portal than the one I entered, though? Yeah, the caravan is not there. Hmm. Because the child was with me, and there are other portals that I can go through at, at later points, the safest option is to take this child back through the portal, see if I can't find society. Hmm. So I, I would take her and make my way toward that portal. You retreat from the tower. Yes. The staircase folds up. You go through the portal. You step onto firm, well, as firm as it can be, sand. And the sunlight hits you, baking you again. You feel it on your fur, the heat wafting off you. Um, there are caravans there. Um, there are uh, not the same caravans. There's just one caravan. Um, and the people there uh, are hiding uh, the caravan has been damaged, but as you step through, these people peek out, and they look, and they see, they recognize people from their own, and they recognize a warlord. They kneel, they come out from the caravan, and they kneel, and they begin to pray to you and the portal. I... Remain mostly silent, acknowledging that they're praying, so I do not want to interrupt their... The girl steps out and gets on her knees and begins to mouth the words as well. I kneel uh, to take the moment of silence, or a, a personal moment of silence with their prayer. They finish their prayer. They both rise. And they say, thank you, warlord, for, for, for um, gracing us. It's my pleasure. I come to you asking a request and a favor, not for myself, but for the life of this young child. And I motion toward the child. She has lost her family, and she's no safer with me than she would be with you in fact likely much more in danger with myself so I would ask that you be kind and accept this life into yours the two pilgrims look at each other and then back at you we accept your challenge warlord we will raise this one to the death I nod and then sort of without much of a word, I kind of look down at the girl, give her a nod as well, and then I retreat back into the portal. As you look down to nod at the girl, you notice that she's holding things up to you, these gifts that weren't there before. You were able to know that because of your extrasensory abilities and able to take in reality, but these things that weren't there before, she gathered them up and is now handing them to you. There is a scroll with a wax seal, and on that wax seal, is the tower. And as you uh, notice the wax seal and you can tell on your body something has changed, that you now have a tattoo in your fur in the exact same shape as the wax seal. A circle inscribed in it is a tower. And with that scroll, there's also a coin pouch uh, 
with just a couple gold pieces in it. Um, there is a map. And on this map is what appears to be what's left of the world of Krasis with a law at its center. And in that center of the map, around a law, the earth is still green on this map. Further out, it begins to turn pale and brown. The trees die. And even further out from that is dark, desolate landscapes. And even further from that are floating islands of rocks that have detached from the world of Krasis, all of which are consequences of the shattering. Um, you know that based on this map and what was passed down through your culture, that when the world shattered, when Krasis shattered, time shattered with it, and that where you are now, you are closer to a law, the epicenter of the shattering, bringing you closer to the event of the shattering. Because at a law, the shattering is still happening. And as you get closer, you go backwards through time toward the shattering, the moment of shattering. And this map exhibits this as well. Also on the map are dots. Dots that are sparse, splayed out all over the map. Maybe two dozen. Some of them are in clusters, maybe groups of two or three. Some of them are moving. And one of them has your name on it there in the orcs territory, exactly where you believed you would be. She hands you these gifts and says, they are from the tournament. Gift for you, warlord. I take them and I nod and I say, I pray that you remain safe in the, in the care of these two pilgrims and I pray that you never have to use that weapon yeah I don't think she'd make much of a warlord you spin around there is a floating eyeball the size of a beach ball with a tiny mouth underneath it and eye stalks with eyeballs on the ends of it and it has for some reason a New York accent alright you ready to go I take stock of what is happening and kind of just... The pilgrims are praying toward this thing. Uh, He's like, ah, jeez. Ah, they always do this. Uh, Goaty, aware that there's some fuckery afoot, kind of just shrugs and is like, yeah, let's get to it. All right, kid. I like your stuff. You're going to make a good warlord. By the way, my name's Cog. Uh, I'll be following you. And I make sure that if you die, that they know about it and the tournament goes on. I am Godikari. It is nice to meet you, Cog. All right, kid. I like you. And the two of you begin to walk. Where would you like to go to? Can I go back into the portal? Is it still open? Portal is closed now. Hmm. Well, I suppose the... So what would be like? Are there are there like uh, like civilizations or like 
outposts that are posted on that map as well? Absolutely. So there are um, some ruins nearby. Um, in the Orcs territory, there were villages of the Barabundi, uh, sometimes referred to as half-orcs. And there are uh, villages there that are marked on the map that you could travel to. If those villages still exist or are still occupied is unknown, but the old places are marked. Well, then I take stride toward the nearest, out, uh, what would be the nearest uh, populated or hopefully populated area. You head toward that area, but you also notice on your map that there is a dot in that place. You head, um, let's see, you head east uh, from your starting point toward toward this village. Um, and I think that's where we'll stop. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for playing, Matt. Yeah, this is, I'm. <laughs> Hope that excited. wasn't too abrupt of an ending there. No, but that's that's a good time to stop it. Yeah, I feel like. a little yeah. cliffhanger there. Um, Matt, do you have anything you'd like to plug? This episode would probably come out in about a month or so. Yeah. Um, check out the Empty Parlor podcast at punninggame.com. Hell yeah! Uh, drops generally every Tuesday. That is a podcast that I do with myself and my good friend Jeff Lynch, where we talk about Bigfoot and Man, weird Jeff's science. A great guy. Yeah, Jeff is he's truly one of the most unsung uh, comedians in the scene it's mostly because he doesn't doesn't get out a whole lot yeah, but but his pod, our podcast is a blast and jeff is yeah he's fantastic so check out the empty parlor uh, on punninggame.com or wherever podcasts go absolutely <laughs> and for me you know what it is thank you for listening to all four parts or whatever you did listen to of the first episode of warlord's crisis tournament uh i have been tim overton and this is the end of episode one coming up Episode 2.